Welcome to Game Face, episode 175 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, and this is Matt Kyle. We are here to give you the biggest and the best in video games for the week. Well, not quite a week. We yeah, just... the last four days. <laughs> yeah, the last four days. Uh, we just did an episode on Thursday, but we wanted to get another one out to you guys. One, because we hadn't done one for a while before that. But two, we want to get on a regular schedule where we're doing this show every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Um, it just works better for everyone, I think. Maybe not for U.S. folks, although I think some people could probably get away with watching the show at work. Uh, but, but it works better for me because I don't have to stay up until 3 a.m. now for show days. Uh, if we're starting at 1 o'clock, uh, it works better. For, you know, I think actually, actually it'll work better for you eventually for traffic. You had a tough day today. Yeah, there won't be a motorcycle crash every day. Yeah. But going back is always going to be easier earlier. Yeah. Well, if we if we wrap here at 4 o'clock, it shouldn't be too bad. That's a, yeah. around the time I was heading to your place. It's not great. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that right now. But it's not terrible. So uh, this is going to be our permanent day and time for Game Face going forward, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. So... Did you get to check out the show from last from last week, Matt? Um, not really. I mean, I saw the comments. Yeah. Um, a lot of people like the audio. Yeah, the audio, man. What a massive upgrade our audio is now. It's uh, it's easier on me too because we don't have to go back and like remix audio and like go and look for mic mm -hmm. hits and everything. Like we can basically just shove it in and render it and forget it. So. Got to let go of the TV trappings. Yep, yep, for sure. So I'm very happy with the way the show's going so far. Uh, this is just our second show in the new studio. You're going to see a couple new things rolling into the show today, and they're going to keep coming. Uh, we're working on completely redoing the show with a new show open, new show graphics, a new show close. I know people will be sad to see our goofy opener go, but <laughs> we're finally going to do it. I'm not going to tell you. update that copyright date. Is it still 2015 in Pretty that? Pretty sure it is, yeah. Uh, I thought I had updated that to 2019, but now it doesn't matter because we're doing new graphics anyway. So the first step was to get the studio. Second was to get it all set up and wired, then launch the show. And now it's going to be a process of us getting to the show to where we want it. But you're going to see in this episode that we're bringing back some stuff that we had in Game Face from over a year ago. So really excited about that. It was tough getting the show together. I'll admit that with just four days, there's not a lot of stuff that comes along to talk about, but I think we've done a decent job. I think we've got a great show. We got one gigantic game to talk about that's looking like it might be a game of the year candidate, and we're gonna dig deep into that. Uh, one final note before we get started. Feeling the urge to get away from it all, permanently or for months at a time? Immerse yourself in the best Montana has to offer on 320 acres of remote, heavily forested property. Gaze at your own private lake from the deck of the log cabin. Truly off the grid, soak in a custom wood fire heated hot tub surrounded by wilderness and wildlife. Visit www.lostlakemontana.com for more detailed information and images. You can also contact Doug DeShazer today at deshazermt at gmail.com or 406-291-1643. That's deshazermt at gmail.com or 406-291-1643. One six four three. Uh, Pactor Factor, we're shooting that this Friday morning. Uh, so 
Probably today when I get home, we'll put up a post for you guys to give us uh, your questions for Pactor Factor. We're coming up on Q4 here. All the big games are going to be coming out in the next few months. So uh, you got plenty of ammunition to ask him some questions. Look out for that. It'll be on Sifted. It'll be on our Patreon. Uh, we'll ask on YouTube. We'll ask on Twitter. We'll ask on Facebook. Uh, it's, I think it's been good now that we've kind of spread our wings a little bit and started getting questions from other places instead of just Sifted. Uh, obviously, when you keep asking the same people for questions, they start running out of ideas, but then you crack it open to a new audience, and uh, they seem to have a ton of really good ones. So I think the last round of Pactor Factor, more than half of our questions came from YouTube. Mm. So definitely a bit of a changing of the guard. Sifters, pick your game up. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're excited to be back. Again, this is going to be our permanent time and date going forward. Uh, Jarrett is in the shower. Cutting to, there he is. <laughs> Cutting together the show for us today. He did an amazing job last week. I'm sure you guys noticed it was like nothing ever happened. Like he's a great TriCaster TD. Although he will be out for the next couple of weeks, so we're gonna have somebody else introduce you to for the next couple episodes. Uh, but it'll be good for us to have more than one person in case Jared's away or sick or whatever. We'll always be able to do the show. Uh, and that's, an, again, an advantage also. If Matt takes a vacation or is sick and can't do it, I can bring in a co-host to do the show here with us. So we should be good going forward with Game Face. And with that, let's get to the first topic of episode 175. We're going to talk about Wolfenstein Youngblood. We discussed it last week or last Thursday. Uh, I'd only played a handful of hours of it, hadn't gotten too far. Uh, and now I have finished the game, and I wanted to come back and kind of discuss still it. still only played a handful of hours. Uh, <laughs> that is true. Uh, I, I mentioned last week that I thought the game was like 14 hours or 15 hours. It's not. It is about 10 hours long. Uh, keep in mind, you are getting the game for 30 bucks, so you can give them a little bit of a pass on the length. But it is, it's shorter than I expected it to be, even for a $30 game. Um, I will say this too, now that I've finished it and played through the whole thing, I'm not as high on the game as I was before. I still really enjoyed the game, but over time, some things started creeping in. I think what struck me the most is that I didn't really notice until I started playing it, but Arcane helped work on this game. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who don't know, Arcane are the kings of the sneak genre. There's a word for it. What do people call it? They call them Im uh, immersive, immersive sims, sims. which yeah. I think is the dumbest <laughs> subgenre name ever devised. But because uh, it doesn't describe anything, it really doesn't. But um, they make prey, uh, dishonored, dishonored prey, prey, you know that kind of like Deus Ex style stuff. Well, the more I started, the more I kept playing this game, the more I started to see Arcane's mm. influence creeping in. The world is not that big. There aren't that many levels in the game, but in true arcane style, they make the most out of a small space. So while you go back to the same areas pretty consistently and pretty often, the missions and the objectives are so different and so mixed up that it kind of softens the blow a little bit. Uh, but there's no denying that if you're used to playing a full-fledged Wolfenstein game, you're going to be a little disappointed in this game. Um, I think another complaint I had is, again, I couldn't didn't realize this until I played it further, excuse me, is that there aren't really any new weapons in the game. There's mm -hmm. one. <laughs> like The arsenal is pretty much what you've been getting from all Wolfenstein games, and maybe that makes sense for the canon or the universe. It's like yeah, you don't... have a lot of weapon development going on. Wh yeah, which doesn't make much sense, considering all the other development that was going on. Uh, but it does have pretty much the same loadout as you got from the other Wolfenstein games. Uh, the co-op, I, I ended up loving. 
I, I loved playing it with the AI. The AI is smart. Um, it does kind of go out in the open and get shot pretty often. But as far as like interacting with you and helping you, it's very good. As soon as you go down, that AI is coming over to help you. It's in some ways, honestly, playing with the AI is better than playing with a human character <laughs> because the AI is programmed to just do what it's supposed to do, which is when you go down, come over and help you revive. You play with the human, they may be off on the other side of the map or they may just not care and they'll just leave you there to bleed out a lot of times. So in some, some ways, I like playing with the AI better, but obviously the skill level of a human player trumps that. But the cool thing is this drop in, drop out. You can gain a human player. You can lose a human player. It's completely seamless. Everybody gets to keep their progress that they make playing cooperatively, even if you're playing in someone else's game. Uh, the co-op in this, I felt like, was handled really, really well. And considering that's kind of the, the hallmark trait of this game, I think they did a good job. I've seen people complaining about the banter between the girls. It honestly hasn't bothered me that much. I thought some of it was kind of funny. Like I've actually laughed out loud at a couple points in this game, which is something I almost yeah. never ever do. I mean, they've been pretty fun. I mean, there wasn't a lot of funny like banter in like between the, like BJ and other characters in like the last one. But if you stuck around and watched like the little scenes play out, like on the on the the submarine or whatever, like some of that was very funny. Like there was stuff with like I remember stuff with like Max Haas beating the the brilliant scientist guy at chess, and the and the yeah. scientist guy freaks out and smashes the chess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like, that. Like, there's a, there's always been a sense of humor to it, even despite how bleak the game is, the series is. So that makes sense. And also, like, they're kids. They you know they don't the the gravity of it hasn't sunk in yet. Yeah, I saw a lot of people complaining that it, well, there was a lot of shock value in this game. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did Have you, you play any of the other Wolfensteins? Yeah. Like, I saw some people that were, like, offended. They're like, oh, this is just, like, for the sake of it. I'm like, uh, that's Wolfenstein, bro. Yeah. Like, the last Wolfenstein, I was disturbed by that one scene where the guy stomps the other person's head. But I didn't say, Which oh. One? Uh, the one scene where they're all together in the room and they they just got captured and they basically kill the one person yeah. to send a message. That scene was disturbing, man. Oh, yeah. uh, but I, I wasn't offended by it and I didn't think it was like a cheap no. tactic to develop. I mean, it's develop. supposed to be that. Yeah, that's like, the idea behind it. It's supposed to strike fear into like your this, heart. This woman is crazy. Like, right. You know, they're, they're, she's a Nazi. Right. Like, they're like, Nazis. Nothing you do to them will ever shock me or make me feel bad. Like I mean, I get, I get people that thought like maybe that was over the top, or like she's, tr she's killing one of your friends with an axe while like body shaming her daughter. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, just sort of a, like a hitting all the marks. Yeah, on, for, on the asshole. Tri uh, yeah, for 2019 especially, you're hitting all um, the marks there. Yeah, I still haven't played this. I haven't gotten around to it. Um, like. My time's been kind of limited, and the limited time for games has gone into Fire Emblem. Yeah. Because um, that is not short. Yeah, we are so. going to blow that game out here shortly, so and I just do not despair. I just haven't, like, been able to make time for this one. But I will. I, I will play it. Like, I, I do like the Wolfensteins. Yeah, I mean, for $30, I definitely recommend a purchase. It, last week, it was wholeheartedly recommend. This week, it's like, if you're not a big fan of shooters, I would probably say no. So do the reviews make more sense now? Um, a little more. Honestly, I think as the week went on or the time went on, the reviews started to bump up a little bit. Like mm. I saw several big sites that really liked it. So yeah, I think overall, probably the reviews are for this are pretty dead on. You get that kind of wide swath of here's the guy on the low end. Here's a couple guys on the high end. But I think most of the people in the middle pretty much get it right. Um, but yeah, I think what surprised me the most is for the amount of 
time that it took me to play it, the amount of content as far as missions are concerned was pretty impressive. Hmm. And how they managed to milk the small environments out to that sort of game length, I also was pretty impressed by because it didn't feel artificially inflated in any way. Um, the stealth is still stupid. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing I would say. If you're an arcane fan, an immersive sim fan, uh, you're probably going to be disappointed that Arcane worked on this because it is not the game's forte. The stealth in this game, while they try to use it as, hey, you don't have to just go around shooting everybody. You can stealth. You can't. You really can't. Like, no. Like, I mean, that's always been true of this. It's like, you know, there's, you, know, you stick your head around a corner. One guy sees you 400 yards away and everybody turns the alarm on and now it's just a firefight. And this game is the exact same way. Because that's what you want. I mean, that's what you want Wolfenstein to be as a firefight, really. Yeah, I... I'm not a big stealth guy in the first place, so it wasn't anything for me. But I know a lot of people that hear Arcane attached to this. They think that the game's a certain way. And I would only say the level design, the intricate level design yeah, is kind of I would think that's like a thing where it's like, no, they just needed help getting it out the door because, you know, they're doing, you know, the people, who, who makes this series normally? Is it Machine Games? Yeah. And Machine Games made this, too, in, in yeah. cooperation with Arcane. Right. I mean, hopefully Machine Games has a good chunk working on Wolfenstein 3 so, right now, so... Sort of like how they had to get Koei to help for Fire Emblem. Yeah, I mean, this is like a side game, spin-off game. This isn't like a full-fledged Wolfenstein yeah. sequel. Although I can see why if, you know, in a year with Far Cry New Dawn, you might be expecting a little more meat yeah. out of that kind of yeah, a game. Yeah, it set the bar pretty high for that type of thing, for yeah. sure. I um, mean, this game is way shorter than that. Mm -hmm. Way, way shorter. But I think it was a little more expensive than Youngblood 2, wasn't it? Like an extra 10, I would 10 bucks, so, yeah. I think it was. Um, yeah, 40, it was 40 for New Dawn. But it, it, you know, it's, it, it is oh, Wolfenstein. it's 40 if you want the buddy pass on this. Right, right. Where, where you can let someone else play the whole game for free. Yeah. Which, if you both chip in, you can get the game for, like, 20 bucks, which is pretty awesome. Of course, you have to trust that the one person who actually gets the game will let you play. But Right. But, uh, but otherwise, it's pretty straightforward. It's a high-action, high-speed shooter. Uh, they give you plenty of ammo. You're not conserving ammo. It's just basically a run-and-gun. Uh, I wouldn't call it a circle strafer. Uh, because the enemies don't really charge. They pretty much, they, they spill in, like you said, they'll pull the alarm. And obviously your objective is to try to kill the guy before he pulls the alarm. But you rarely do that. And so they pull the alarm and the level gets flooded with enemies, but it's not like they rush at you. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not like a rage or something like that where the enemies are constantly advancing. So you have to keep strafing around them to be able to get good angles to shoot them. Uh, they do kind of post up. Uh, the heavies will just slowly trudge towards you, but no one really runs at you or does any kind of acrobatics or anything like that to get to you quickly. Uh, so it is pretty easy to kind of assess a room and say, okay, most of the enemies are over in this corner, and then maybe bait a couple of them away from the group, get them to kind of chase you, shoot them, go back, bait a couple more. Uh, so there, I guess there are different tactics you can use to get through it, but not in the same vein as you would get in Wolfenstein, and certainly not in the same vein as you would get with a Dishonored or a Prey from Arcane Studios. So the other thing I would say, too, about the story is that it kind of goes away. In the opening, there's like, I think the game opens with like an hour and a half of cutscenes in the first three hours. And then after that, like, there really aren't a lot of cutscenes to move the story forward. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the exposition is just told on the fly between the girls as they kind of converse. So there are telltale signs that this wasn't a full release, and they kind of pulled their punches a little bit on it but overall i had a blast playing it it is short but sweet i think you know who really made out like a bandit in this nazi takeover must have been the people who make manufacture red fabric yeah <laughs> it's everywhere yeah yeah absolutely 
So it's like, ah, I guess that's the first thing you do when you conquer a country in the Third Reich is you just start hanging banners. Yeah. And again, to repeat what I said last week, in case you didn't watch uh, the show from a few days ago, uh, the gunplay in this still feels great. That is one part of Wolfenstein that hasn't changed. It's not as satisfying as like... It's interesting to me that they have uh, health bars now. Yeah, that is a change for sure. Um, I think it helped. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't disappointed by that at all. It helps you ration out your ammo um, and kind of help you with your strategy when you're trying to clear out a room. But you're right. That is a change for the franchise. And I'm not a thousand percent sure why they did it. Yeah, I couldn't really. I, I, I'm having a hard time like understanding what the reason behind that is. But And I wonder, too, if that will be a feature that will appear in the next mainline Wolfenstein. I don't know. I mean, part of the reason it feels weird to me is like this series, as Machine Games makes it, has always been so clean. Yeah. Like there's very little UI getting in the way. Yep. And You're right. it's weird that it's weird that suddenly that's there. But I'm sure you can turn them off or whatever. But you yeah. can. Yeah. yeah. I'm not. I I don't know. That that strikes me. I because I, I did go back briefly and play some of Wolfenstein 2 just to sort of refresh. And yeah, like it's it's a real clean game. Yeah. This game's not as hard as. Uh, the last Wolfenstein either. It's easier. And I think co-op might have something to do with that. Mm. It's pretty well balanced though. I mean, when you're you have a guy jumping in and out and going to AI, you never really notice that it gets like noticeably more difficult or noticeably easier. Uh, so they do a pretty good job with enemy spawning and uh, making sure that you're getting the right amount of enemies and they're the right difficulty based upon whether it's you with a friend or you with the computer or whatever. So Again, it's 30 bucks, 40 bucks if you get the buddy pass, and then you can let someone else play along with you. I think it's well worth the money. Um, you can't play it over and over again like you can with a lot of arcane games and have it be a completely different experience. So the replay value isn't up to maybe what you're used to from these studios. Uh, but that first playthrough, to me, was, was a ton of fun, and I really enjoyed it. Right. You'll play it? I'll get to it. Yeah. Event. I mean, I don't know when. Like, August isn't too insane. We just put up uh, Dossier, or the games of August 2019. No, There's like five or six kind of must-play games. I mean, month. I just I feel Fire Emblem's going to keep me busy for a while. And yeah. then, uh, <laughs> I'm starting to get that uh, feeling as well. Re- Rebel Galaxy Outlaw comes out on the 13th, which I've been waiting for. Maybe I'm the only one. But yeah. uh, I do love a good uh, space shooter. And... Uh, I like the first one a lot, but they changed. You know, they they the first one was more of like a. It was almost like they made the boat combat in Assassin's Creed into a space game. Yeah, because it was more. You were more like playing a capital ship, and this one is a straight up fighter kind of thing, more of a traditional like X wing X wing Tie fighter thing, which is my preferred. I think it sounds like that's what they wanted to make, but didn't have the the resources the first time. So now they do. And uh, it looks pretty good, and so I'm pretty pretty much expecting a jump from Fire Emblem to that, and then who knows? Because then holiday season pretty much starts yeah. by the time I'm done with that. There's a few big control comes out next month. That's probably the biggest game of the month. Yeah, I mean, is there is, is Nintendo have something at the end of the uh, uh, the, the the chain thing? Astral Chain. Astral Chain. Yeah. I'm never going to remember that. Name <laughs> uh, like, Platinum's game. Yeah. Yeah, that comes out next month as well. Oh, I mean, Plat- Platinum's will probably won't sell that well. but uh, Yeah, it probably won't. It's it's their big release of the month, I would say. Yeah. I mean, look, Switch has something big for pretty much every month. So, And now they get Outer Wilds. Yeah, that's a big announcement Outer, for Outer, today. Outer Worlds. The Outer yeah. Worlds. Yeah, I never thought we'd see that one on Switch. I mean, I, I would have thought it was a technical pro- issue more than anything else, but it's like, okay. Well, I don't sure. know if you remember, but at E3, it was one of my, like, downs. 
that game mm-hmm. because of how it looked. It didn't look that great. So maybe mm-hmm. I should have figured at that point, oh, this actually probably could run on Switch. Um, maybe. I mean, Fire Emblem has trouble running on Switch. It does. Time, so, like, I, I don't know how much water that holds, really. But I think that engine they're using for Fire Emblem is just a piece of crap. Uh, what is it? I, I mean, I think it's Intelligent Systems 3D engine that they've been using. Is it just like the same thing they use for like Fire Emblem Warriors right. and stuff like that? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about QuakeCon. Um, or should it be called DoomCon this year? Yeah, it is pretty much DoomCon. I mean, I mean it, has, it hasn't been QuakeCon for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just BethesdaCon. Yeah. And maybe it's kind of tough to change it now. I mean, QuakeCon... Because the branding is, is there at this QuakeCon point. QuakeCon has a nice ring to it. You don't really... I mean, BethesdaCon? Like, that's too many syllables. BethCon or something. Yeah, BethCon sounds like a convention full of people named Elizabeth. Full of basic chicks. Yeah, or, or just like... <laughs> Big fans of the Queen, you know, like <laughs> yeah, Beth Con. We're so into the Queen, we call her Beth. Yeah, they'll get executed, I think, in some places. Yeah, I'm sure Bethesda regrets calling it QuakeCon at the beginning. Although I don't know if Bethesda, I don't think they owned it. Yeah, I don't think they did either. It started QuakeCon. Yeah, and, like it just, it's just what it's called now. Like, yeah, you, you want to change that? I think Quake might be Bethesda's most irrelevant IP it has at this point, uh, unless they still own the rights to Wet. Yeah, right. I would say. <laughs> Or some of those other games that just mysteriously disappeared. Battle Cry is another one. Battle Cry, oh yeah. But typically what they do every year is they're like, okay, what's our big game? Uh, and then they just kind of theme QuakeCon all around mm-hmm. that one big game. And it is, as Bethesda has coined, the Year of Doom. So shouldn't come as a big surprise to us that Doom was the centerpiece. Yeah, and not the 25th anniversary. So. Yeah. And not just Doom Eternal, as we're seeing right here. The original Doom trilogy was stealth launched or shadow dropped or whatever the hell people are calling it these days on pretty much every major mm-hmm. platform. Uh, it wasn't without its bumps, though. Yeah, I mean, there was the error on... Seems to be an error on Xbox where suddenly you couldn't re-download. If you owned it on 360, you couldn't re-download it unless you went through like a weird sort of like thing where you went in, into the menus and said show me the game in the store and then it would take it so the, the page and the ability to download it was still there you just had to jump through some hoops to see it which makes it seem like a mistake well i think people saw it up on xbox live before it was announced at QuakeCon. yeah it, it went up pretty it went up on a couple of things early but then the big controversy became oh i can't re-download doom one on my xbox 360 <laughs> where will i find somewhere to play doom again <laughs> I guess there's some there's some like exclusive things on that version of Doom, and like that was part of the concern was like there's uh, you, there's like a console exclusive element to it, but uh, and there's a lot of like oh this is the digital future and you can have your games taken you know, yeah well you know what if I want to play uh, Blood Will Tell on the PS2 I got to spend three hundred dollars for a physical copy so like nothing's perfect yeah you know, like I mean that's just life and like the greatest thing was like when people was like has this ever happened before and people are happened with pt i'm like pt is a demo no one paid for like this is yeah, not a, a big difference thing. there they, yeah. people I'm, I'm sure there's demos out there that have been pulled from download status that no one notices because no one cares yeah. about that demo like P- people care about pt because it was a thing nobody got to play in the end yeah it's a forbidden fruit thing right yeah um so i i do wonder if uh you know there's a lot there was a lot of stuff about oh is this is did they intentionally remove it so you have to buy the xbox one version and blah 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 and it's just like no, I mean, at this point, can't we give Bethesda this benefit of the doubt that, you, that they just fucked it up? Yeah. Like, like I mean, it, 
haven't we seen this enough from everyone them always likes to look for excuses yeah never 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 like attribute to maliciousness like what you can attribute to just general in, ineptitude yeah and like i feel <laughs> and it's not like we don't see weird problems on the xbox store like that semi-regularly anyway it's probably not even bethesda's fault yeah um so yeah i, I feel like that's just a a, a, a glitch somewhere. And if, and if it's not, guess what? I never, ever, ever would have noticed it. Right. If no one had said anything. Like yeah. Would you even have noticed that the first three Doom games were released on all these, like, platforms if they had just put them out? Like, I mean, and not made a big announcement at QuakeCon. Well, no, I mean, I, I wouldn't even... I, I mean, maybe one day when I was scrolling through a sale, I would have been like, huh, that, those oh, are Doom 3, here? yeah. Isn't Doom 3 really the the get in this? No. No? I mean, it's not the best game, but I feel like it's the Doom that the modern player probably is least familiar with. Because the classics, the first two classics are bandied about all the time. Doom 3 is kind of this forgotten monster closet of a travesty. Yeah. It wasn't great. I remember I was working at GameSpot when that came out, and Greg Kasavin gave it like a 9. No, you weren't. Yeah, I was. Doom 3? Doom 3 was the first game we reviewed in L.A., for X-Play. Was it? That was the first edit I ever did at G4. I thought I remembered Greg Kasavin giving it like a 9.5 and everyone in the editorial team being like, what? I mean, I'm sure they were if that's what he did. But like, no, that, that was the first thing we did when we got to L.A. Oh, like, wow. I, I, I had to play it on that stupid Alienware. My timing is way off. I had to play it on that stupid Alienware on the corner of Morgan's desk because like we had no game lab you also needed back when it came out you needed like a monster rig oh yeah that's why we use that because the none of the computers in the game lab at g4 were powerful enough to run it it's crazy to the look only thing that. they used those computers for at the time was playing uh, day of defeat over and over again <laughs> it's crazy to look at that game now and think back to when it came out and how people were just like oh i can't play that i need to like buy a two thousand some dollar rig to play this game mm-hmm. and I mean, at the time, the lighting in that game was next-level stuff, oh, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, it was pretty mind-blowing for the time. Now you look at it, and you're just like, like why is everything made of dough? <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like. But, uh, no, I mean, at the time, like, the, the, the lighting and just, like, the, the sheen of slime on the creatures, and, the, yeah, it was, it was very impressive. It just wasn't very fun. Yeah, it was just garbage. The game itself yeah. was total garbage. Um, I think GameSpot did give that game like a really high score. That though. sounds right to me. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm sure you remember that because it was the most significant thing that happened. And I probably had, I had just left. It hadn't been that long because I only worked in the Bay Area with Tech TV for like a year, if even a year before we yeah. moved to LA. Yeah, you came on I think mid 2002. Yeah, and then we moved. Uh, then we we made we created X Play. No, yeah, you were there for almost two years. Yeah, I guess you're right. Because you we yeah. created X-Play beginning of 2003, and then we moved to L.A. in the middle of 2004. 2004, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but now I remember that was our first edit, my our first edit period ever for any tech TV thing at G4. And I went in and I gave uh, Owen, Owen Castro, who, who moved over to... Uh, American Idol later yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gave him, like, the list of all the shots and the shots with all their names. And, like, you know, they match up to the script. And, da, 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 he's, and he looks at it and goes, you named your clips? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And we thought, we were like, oh, we're in L.A. now. We're in the real TV world. We're in, we like, got to keep know, our stuff keep buttoned our, up. Yeah, we got to be ready because we're just a bunch of, you know, we came from a TV-making treehouse. Like, we came from the yeah. honeycomb hideout of television <laughs> up in up at tech tv like it was just yeah. it was nothing like we made everything up as we went and like we get there and like and like and we were the pros yeah it turned out that like after <laughs> i he's like oh no i'm good come back in like two hours and i'll have it done i'm like okay so i went back to our area and it turned out that after that like, he called the other editors and he's like look what the look, look what, what the tech tv guys are doing yeah like, we used inews yeah. and like, <laughs> we, like 
Well, because we had yeah. like a hardline post supervisor, Cynthia Lusk, who kept us in line she and, was on and it. made yep. sure that we were helping the editors do their job properly and doing our job properly. It works better uh, for everybody if you're You prepared. can now find Cynthia in the credits for Pixar films. Oh, is she working at she Pixar? At, she's at Pixar, yeah. She's, which is how you know she's really good at what she does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so the big story was Doom across the board at QuakeCon. Doom Eternal coming out November 22nd, I believe. So not too far away. Mm-hmm. This was kind of its, it's last a Thanksgiving showing. game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is kind of its last big showing. I'm sure it'll be at Gamescom next month. Um, we'll get another look at it. But this was kind of Bethesda's last chance to really blow it out. And it focused primarily on multiplayer stuff. Mm-hmm. What did you think about what they showed? Um, didn't sound like anything I'm going to play. Yeah, um, I'm a little surprised. There's not just like a like a just super basic deathmatch yeah. mode in it. Like I think it, because they tried that last time and no one cared. Yeah, but I mean, you could just throw one in. Right. Like it feels like you could just have. I mean, don't go crazy with the level designing and all you know, all the level making tools and all the customization stuff. Just throw in an, an option for people to just blow each other up. You know. Like, I feel like that's sort of, like, part of the Doom thing to the degree... I mean, it, it invented it, pretty much. Um, that just surprises me that that's not in... I mean, it's not something I would want to play, because I don't care about multiplayer stuff, and, like, random deathmatch stuff is not a thing I care about, but, like... You would think it's so vast part majority. of that. Yeah, it's just part of that series DNA to the degree that leaving it out feels strange. And it's so easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not hard to create a deathmatch. I mean, it's but. not like you don't already have online play. Just put, like... Everybody, free for all deathmatch. Just yeah, go. Like, seriously. Just... Instead, they focused focused on battle mode, which is basically just a an evolution of what they had in the last game, which is an asymmetrical multiplayer mode where one player plays mm-hmm. as the demons, the bad guys, and then the other guys play as the marines. Uh, they've certainly expanded it drastically uh, for for Doom Eternal, but I found that I played it. I don't know, a handful of times before I got tired of it in the last game. Um, A lot of the demons have to be unlocked, so sometimes if you're playing as a demon and you're just getting started, you're playing as, like, one of the weaker ones, although it looks like they've even buffed the weaker ones, which is something that they needed to do uh, for Doom Eternal, and it looks like they have done it, so maybe that'll help remedy it a little bit. Um, But it wasn't sort of on the same level as games like Friday the 13th where it kind of has a hook and it keeps you going and you just keep playing. Um, I just felt like it was unbalanced and unfair, I guess, was my overall opinion of it when I first played it. Now, they could have gone in and patched it later and fixed it all up. Uh, Launch week, it was not good. Um, And then remember they had the Forge, or what did they call their level building tool? I don't remember. It, that was one of the most complicated things I've ever messed around with in my life. Uh, after messing around with their stage builder in The Last Doom, uh, maybe uh, Super Mario Maker 3D isn't such a good idea because hmm. it was really obtuse and really hard to use. Uh, even just like the the process of uploading and sharing your levels is really hard to kind of wrap your head around. Uh, and then finding, you know, I think we're starting to see what I was talking about with Super Mario Maker 2. I saw someone wrote a big editorial yesterday about now that we're like a month in the filtering options and Super Mario Maker 2 aren't getting it done. Mm -hmm. And that was something I said on launch day that I thought would be a problem and it appears that it is turning into an issue for that game. And that was a problem for The Last Doom as well. There was just not good enough filtering options to be able to help you find the stages that you wanted to play. Hmm. And creating them was even more difficult to be perfectly honest. So 
I'm not going to miss that feature being removed from this Doom, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so that's no big loss as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. um, but concentrating solely on the asymmetrical stuff, a little weird. You want to get that, Matt? <laughs> no, nah, I can't. It's, it's someone's at my door. Oh, and you can't hang up remotely? No, I got to let, let, let the pool guy in. Oh, did, were you able to remotely let him into your house yeah. from here? That's crazy. <laughs> it's all very high tech. Yeah, God bless technology. Um, hopefully it's not someone else yeah. wearing the, a mask. No, he, I recognize <laughs> him. But that, by the, if we do that at this time, that's going to pretty much happen every show. Yeah. Because that's, that's when he comes. You can't silence your phone because you have to let him in. I it guess. is silenced, but that app does not let you silence it because it's supposed to be someone's at your door. Interesting. And, and you need to know that. Yep. Uh, but let's talk about the single player. Even though they didn't really focus on it at QuakeCon, what kind of changes are you hoping to see for our, from the campaign, um, if any? Nothing, really. Yeah, just I mean, more. it was kind of perfect the last game. Yeah. I just want more of it. and big. I mean, I like the kind of the jumping around and jumping over guys. And, like, you know, there's, there's obviously more uh, some, some more acrobatics, basically, and, the, you know, like the flipping off uh, raw, you know, you know, bars there and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I just basically want the same game but more. All you, all you need to do is it's sort of like what I said about uh, that's why I was disappointed in Arkham Knight. All you had to do was do City, but more so. Right. And so this looks like just Doom, but more. And uh, I am happy with that. I wouldn't mind if they doubled down on the level design Yeah. from the last game. Um, and that might be an area where I would bring in Arcane and be like, hey, like people really like this about the last Doom. We don't want to go overboard. We don't want to make it Dishonored or a Prey here. But... Can you help us make more labyrinth labyrinthine? Is that correct? Yeah. Lab labyrinthine stages for this game. It had just a taste of it in the last one, and I thought it was awesome the way the levels kind of de were designed and connected together into kind of one satisfying whole. Uh, but I don't believe Arcane has been working on this, so I'm with you. Um, they could just give me another. 18 hour campaign of what they gave us last time i'm totally mm -hmm. fine with it uh we just don't get enough of this in this day and age in fact if you think about it what shooter has come out since the last doom that does this um big budget anyway there's nothing really. tons of indie stuff that do this but no big budget games so you know we get one of these every two Certainly or three not years. with the polish yeah yeah so if we get one of these every two or three years, that's just about perfect, I think. And it's kind of cornered the market. I don't see other publishers kind of jumping in. Although maybe the new People Can Fly shooter might yeah, be maybe. something similar. We'll see. Uh, but it has a chance to be kind of like Doom. But Bethesda's kind of cornered the market on this type of shooter right now, and it does it better than anyone else. So I have no complaints with that mm -hmm. at all. Um, any other comments about QuakeCon? Not really. Elder Scrolls Online they talked about for a little bit, but that was pretty much it, man. It was the Doom Trilogy, Doom Eternal, and... Yeah, I mean, they mentioned you know Fallout 76's Battle Royale thing. And yeah, they're got, getting a new map or something yeah, for that. It's just, sure. <laughs> it's great. I mean, I got to... you're into that. <laughs> I do have to commend Bethesda, though. I mean, it, any other publisher would have just dropped that game like a bad habit. I don't know. Like, there's a couple... You know, like Nintendo wouldn't... Uh, Nintendo wouldn't have put it out like that to begin right. with. Right. Um, you know, Microsoft would hang on. You know, Sea of Thieves didn't exactly burn the charts up, but they're still supporting that. Uh, the only company I can see like really dropping it like a bad habit would have been EA. Yeah, even a EA though with Anthem has been pretty good. I think EA is letting Anthem have its year 
planned year, and yeah. we'll, you know, come next February, Anthem will quietly disappear. I'd actually like to jump in there and see what it's like now, as far as player count and stuff like that. Are there? Have you been? Have you checked it out lately? <sighs> Not like probably like right after E3, I played a little oh, bit, okay. uh, and it was it's, you know there's still people playing. Like you know there's still if you go play free roam, like there's still you know you'll still fill out a free roam session with like four whatever people it's supposed to be. Um, the the missions out in the free roam and stuff give you way more loot now. Like they just pile it on. Uh, it's a lot easier to go get components for crafting and stuff like that. But I never did actually finish the campaign, so I don't know if like the end game stuffs what people complain about, and I don't know if that's any better. It doesn't doesn't sound like it is. Um, and everyone I know who was into Anthem, uh, including some of the people who worked on it, have pretty much moved over to back to Destiny. Oh, really? So. Wait, how is that, though? Hmm. How are they working on Destiny? They're not working on it. They're playing it. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were talking about developers. Oh, no. Because I know you have some, you know some people who yeah. are. I do know that uh, Anthem's pretty much been fully handed off to Austin. Okay. Which is, of course, the team with online experience. Right. Who made a lot of suggestions during development were ignored, according to Jason Schreier's uh, article. Yeah, and so, probably shouldn't have been. Yeah, so at least, I would say if that's true that they've moved it to Austin, like that is the right, they're in the right hands. Uh, but we'll see if they can, you know, what knowing your business in terms of that isn't the same thing as being able to turn public opinion around. And uh, I don't know if that's even possible at this point. Yeah, I mean, it also looks like Bioware Edmonton has just washed his hands of Anthem and is now just full bore on Dragon Age. Dragon Age Four. Yep. Yeah, and uh, there's been some stuff floating to the surface about that over the last week. Mm-hmm. So it looks like yeah, that's the next big game in production from Bioware, which is what everyone was asking for. And yep. hopefully they don't screw it up. <laughs> I know. I mean, they. I've lost a lot of faith in Bioware Edmonton. Same. Through all this, same. I mean, and and I liked Anthem more than most people did, but mm. still, it's like my it's my the bar for that studio was so high for me that even if it comes down a little bit, that's to me that's a big deal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Dragon Age is their last shot before EA pulls the does plug what it somewhere. does. Yeah, it does what it does. <laughs> but. <laughs> kind of their last you know what else is left yeah. like, i mean you could try mass effect again after that you could finally let them make a kotor game but by the time they do that the license will be up yep. and who knows if lucasfilm's going to keep that with ea or not after yeah. everything that's happened um it really sounds from what disney's doing in terms of maneuvering uh their game involvement and lucasfilm is kind of recreating lucas games internally it really sounds like they're setting up a situation where they do not have to be licensed to a single company anymore and can kind of farm out their projects to the developers it makes sense to farm it Smart. out to. Which is how they used to do it. Yeah. Like that's how LucasArts used to work. Yep. So that seems like a more uh, a better way to do things. Is like If you want to make a certain kind of game, like it's better to go find the person who's good at making that game rather than hope that EA decides to randomly assign Criterion to make it. or you know, like Yeah. I mean, that's not out of, out of the realm of possibility. Because when you think about it, like, what if you want to make like an action, like an action RPG Star Wars game? Yeah. Who do you pick an EA stable for that? Nobody. <laughs> like, there's no one there. Like, nothing. I mean, Motive tried to do it. Yeah. It got shut down. Yeah. So I don't know. He knows. But that's a great segue because our next topic is Madden NFL 20. Hmm. Uh, Speaking of things that have been around forever and will not go away. <laughs> uh, we're not going to talk about it ex- exceptionally long. Uh, I know that the the, cro- the Venn diagram of sifters and sports people are is pretty slim. Uh, but it is 
arguably the biggest sports game in the industry, and it is coming out on August 2nd. So wanted to give you guys the uh, 411 on this game. Before the only reason I knew this was coming soon was because I keep seeing the uh, glitch compilation videos. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's coming August 2nd, and we won't uh, we won't be able to do a show right when it comes out, so I wanted to kind of get it on your guys' radar in case you're interested. Uh, I've been playing it a good bit, and I've been playing mostly the brand-new single-player campaign, uh, which is called Face of the Franchise. Remember, the last one was called Long Shot. One thing I've discovered over the last couple years is, did you know that it took four years to develop Long Shot? Sounds about right. Four years. For a single-player mode, that mm-hmm. literally lasted about three hours. Yep. That's insane. Also explains why they got Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Because he, he, he wasn't super famous <laughs> when they sh- did all that. It, it also explains why the one after that wasn't very nothing, good. Yeah. And it also explains why this one may be the worst of the three, mm. um, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, the story part of the story mode lasts about as long, actually is shorter than the last two story modes in Madden. Uh, it when I describe it, people are going to say, oh, that sounds so much more robust than what comes before, and it does sound that way, but everything that I'm about to talk about is stuff that just happens in, like, concurrent cutscenes. So, they're, like, four or five-minute cutscenes at best, and that is kind of, like, that whole feature of the mode. Uh, so, you start out, you're a high school football player. It's not like Longshot was, where you're, like, out in the sticks and you're trying to make it to the NFL combine blah 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 you're you're a a good player who is on the radar of the top colleges mm. um, and I guess probably the biggest thing for a lot of people with this is that college football has returned to electronic arts uh, there's only about a dozen teams but I would say they probably just looked at data and said which college football teams have the biggest fan base, and they just chose those. They are like the 12 biggest college mm-hmm. programs. So you're a high school player. You're good. You can basically choose any of those 12 teams to go to. They're all recruiting you, and they all want you on the team. So it, they have the whole scene where there's all the baseball casts for every team sitting there. You walk mm-hmm. up. You pick up the cap of the team that you want to play for, and you're on that squad. You sign your letter of intent, and you're on the squad. Just like in real life. Yeah. <laughs> First day you show up at college, the coach says, hey, this other guy who was supposed to go to some other college has changed his mind, and now he's coming here. And by the way, he's the top quarterback recruit in the country. Mm-hmm. So now you've gone from being the big dog, the starting QB on your college team, to, hey, Maybe you should just transfer to a different school because we're going to play this other guy. Um, you don't have a choice in that, by the way. You can't say, no, screw this. I want to go to another college. Hmm. Basically, your character says, I don't care. I'm going to show you that I'm the best player, and I'm going to be the starting quarterback anyway. Well, it doesn't work out that way. Um, fast forward to your senior year. You have not played at all. Uh, mm-hmm. This other guy who came in did take the job and did play all the way through, but you're coming up on the BCS championship and he gets hurt and you're thrust into the starting role just in time to play the last two games of the season and win the national championship. <laughs> so you play the semifinal game and then if you then you win that, then you play for the national championship. Um, and then that's where... There's no stealth sequence where you break the guy's leg. <laughs> no, no, there's not. <laughs> and then from I was there... I we could Tanya Harding this shit. Yeah. 
And then from there, that's where it kind of turns into what Longshot was, where you're going to the Combine in Indianapolis, you're going through all that, you're doing all the interviews with coaches. There's no sleazy, like, TV network executive, like, following you around like there was in the last one. It's more of a a, a pure mode in that respect. Uh, You basically just jump straight into the franchise mode from there. However, the big drawback is that you can only play one position in this new story mode it used to be you could play whatever you wanted to and then when you played games you would only play from that perspective mm-hmm. and it would skip plays like if you weren't on like the road field, to the show yeah and it would like you didn't have to play plays where your player isn't involved mm-hmm. uh, because you're a quarterback obviously you're involved a lot no matter what in this mode but you have to play quarterback you can't play running back mm-hmm. you can't play wide receiver or any other position so it kind of pigeonholes you into it and the other thing, too, is that the commitment is way bigger. You have to play, and you're seeing it right now, you have to play through full games. Um, and you have to play pretty much every play, which is a little weird and a little different. So I would honestly say that uh, the new story mode in Madden, face of the franchise, is far less flexible than the prior story modes. The plot, the plot's terrible. The, the acting is in writing is abysmal. Abysmal. Like... I don't know who read the script and was like, yep, green light, check mark. Like, it's just, it's embarrassingly bad. Um, and then that only lasts for like an hour, an hour and a half, or maybe two hours. And then it's just like you're playing franchise mode, except you're pigeonholed into playing one position. So I'm not a huge fan of the new story mode in Madden. Um, if that's the reason you would have for buying it, I would save your money. Um, and honestly, there aren't a lot of other new features in madden this year option plays are like when when option plays are a bullet point on (laughs) madden that's when you know it's one of those years where they kind of took took their time and didn't uh load it up full of new features um it does change the game a lot being able to run an option play it's something that was in all the college football games and obviously madden kind of had to put it in because they had to have it in the two college games that you play for the national championship Mm -hmm. game you have to have the option so EA had to do it, but then it didn't have to let that come into the pro side of the game, but it has. So you can run an option college-style offense in the pros in the new Madden. Um, X-Factors, we talked about this when they first uh, unveiled Madden. They're basically finishers or super moves for players. They're unique moves that just specific players can do. Um, Honestly... It sounds like a cool feature, but they're really, when you think about it with the NFL players, there aren't signature moves. <laughs> like, there's no juke that just one running back does. There's no route that just one wide receiver runs. There, Nobody does a tombstone pile driver to, no, I to mean, finish they, their tackle. They basically just stylize things. So if you have a running back who's really good at making that one cut and go, like they over-accentuate that one cut a little bit. Like Le'Veon Bell, he, play, he, he waits for his blocking to line up, he plants his foot and then he goes. And when he does do that foot plant, it does look like how he does it. But to the average person, they're not going to pick up on any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It just seemed pretty much frivolous to me. And not again, not something worth buying the game for. Um, I think really the biggest selling point is college football for most people. And even though you can only play two games, there are like a dozen college football teams in there and you can play mm-hmm. as all the teams. So is Auburn in there? Oh, I don't remember. That's the only one I would care about. It would be right on the fringe, I'm guessing, of that top 12. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a huge following. Obviously, your dad was a huge Auburn fan, and he lived out here in California. So that that shows the reach that the the program has. 
uh, but I do not recall seeing it. I didn't pick it. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Who did uh, you pick? Uh, I took Miami. Hmm. Which I don't know why. <laughs> Temple wasn't I, on there. I feel like that's the answer of a lot of people that went to Miami. <laughs> Temple wasn't an option, so I honestly, just, mm-hmm. I just didn't even really care. I just picked whatever team, and it, I don't think it made all that much of a difference. Like it basically just swaps out the color scheme on the coach <laughs> in the cutscenes. Like it doesn't make that much of a difference. You don't have licensed players for obvious reasons right. because EA was sued for trying to make players look like the real players. So, and God forbid the NCAA do anything to help the players exactly yeah that's not going to happen so um the big feature really is that there's a dash of college football back in the game otherwise it's another year of madden with updated rosters um a lot of recycled ideas that they tried and then bailed on and then brought back um, it looks like uh, vincent says florida oregon texas tech oklahoma lsu usc texas clemson Miami and Florida State. Okay. So I'm guessing Auburn was right on the fringe there. Yeah, it was probably number 11. Yep, <laughs> that's <It> my was... <laughs> guess. <laughs> so they didn't quite make the cut. But they, like I said, they probably just used data to pick the 10 biggest teams with the biggest followings, or at least the, the teams that have the most TV audience, the, the ones mm-hmm. the teams that people tune in to see play live. But uh, otherwise, minus the college football, minus the basically throwaway story mode, it's another year of Madden with updated rosters and updated rule sets. It'll be interesting to see, and I haven't seen this yet in the game, how they handle the new interference, the ability to review interference calls. Hmm. Because it is going to be an unmitigated disaster in the real NFL, so I can only imagine it's going to be even worse in Madden NFL 20. So you're saying basically wait wait till we see what the next gen Madden looks yeah, like. Yeah, because we are getting to that point too where you're probably gonna have to wait till next gen to see that big leap. Yeah. Although we didn't really even see it with this gen, honestly. No, but you, one of the reasons I would think that there's so few new features in this is because they're putting new features in next year's for the system launches. Yeah, I mean, and the good news about this about twenty is that you know they've been working on these platforms now for like five plus years. The the game's dialed in. It's I didn't experience any bugs, although I'm I bet there are some. Because <laughs> every year there are crazy bugs in this game where players turn the size of a oh, skyscraper yeah. or the size of a mouse or whatever. I saw one great one where it, the guy he tore his ACL, but the character model's foot was turned 360 degrees, so his knee <laughs> was literally twisted in a in a in a spiral like a cartoon character. <laughs> And, it, and like he's like he's like grabbing it and they're carting him. And he's like, oh, he might be out for a couple games. And I'm like, yeah, it might be. I'll like, say oh. this: when I tore my ACL, that's what it felt like happened to my knee. Like I thought I was gonna look down and see it just twisted in like a yeah. pretzel. Yeah. So now there's a bunch of compilations of like the best glitches so far, and they're they're all very you know it's it's like uh it's like the yearly like FIFA gay glitches right. Uh, thing it's it's very entertaining even if you don't care about the games it's very entertaining just to see all the crazy animation problems glitches in madden are funnier and better than in other games mm. i think it's because it's it's based on something in reality so you have a frame of reference yeah. maybe I, mean, I, I will never get tired of the fifa glitches where like somebody does like some kind of dive or like like celebration thing and they just sort of slowly sink into the ground <laughs> like for some reason i find those the most entertaining like, like as a fifa player slowly disappearing under the grass is one of my favorite th- favorite glitches in video games yep so there you go madden nfl 20 uh no switch version mm. although we're we're getting well we're getting nba 2k but yeah ea hasn't really put fifa but FIFA this year on Switch is the same game as last year right. with updated rosters. Uh, so they're 
being really NBA, cheap about it. And NBA isn't them. Right. So. Yeah, NBA's 2K. So uh, no Madden on Switch this year, PS4, Xbox One. Uh, we're starting to reach the law of diminishing returns with this franchise for this generation. As Matt said, you probably, if you only buy Madden every once in a while, you should probably just wait for the next-gen versions next year. Although usually that first year of next-gen looks really good. But it's missing features, and there's usually it's usually the most buggy versions mm. of the game as well. I'm kind of hoping that somewhere in their EA knows it's time to step up to begin next gen because I feel like they really had a pretty poor generation here. Like, I also feel like they still have never hit that target render that they showed like no. six years ago. That was more than six years. Where ago. it was what that was, ter- for, that was for the 360. Right, that was, that was 2005. That's right. Yeah, that was 14 years. It was ago. what Terrell Owens and the New York yeah. Giants in the snow. Yeah, no, it was raining in was the raining? grass. Remember, yeah. and they slide and like the water flies right. up off of the grass. Oh, the thing I'm thinking of is it's a it's a screenshot of a one guy on top of another guy like in a in a. Oh, uh, I remember that snowing. Too. Yeah, I remember that, that, too. that was the screenshot that made Penny Arcade coin the term bull shot. Right. Yeah. Well, there was a bullshot so, trailer as well for oh, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that they put out before that a lot that of gen. that going around. They still never hit that. So yeah. I'm hoping that they can hit that with this next version. We'll see. Maybe with ray tracing. Yeah. But overall, I'd recommend passing on Madden this year. Um, unless, you, unless you're at the point where you've already waited two or three years. And you're at, at the stage where, like, mm-hmm. okay, this is where I usually buy another one. Uh, don't hang your hat on the story mode, but the core of the game, the modes, the features, everything else is really solid and really I think good. I've waited about 22 years at yeah. this point. So <laughs> what was the last Madden you played? It, would have, it was on PlayStation 1. Yeah. Somewhere in, it was like when you were probably playing NFL Game Day instead. Yeah, we played a lot of Game Day, and I think that's why we got Madden. was because, like, oh, we should get the new football game because we've been playing Game Day forever. And so I think we got Madden 96. Which was an error on any platform. Oh, Game Day was the better football game for PS1 by several magnitudes. And then I did buy 2K, 2K and 2K1 on Dreamcast, and then it's probably the last football game I bought. It's been a while. Definitely. And I do not recommend that this is the one that breaks your streak. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would be interested in a quality story mode, like what they... You know, I've been attempting, but it just doesn't seem like it's there. I honestly wonder if they'll just ditch it after this year. I, I, does, I feel like it can't possibly be helping them that much, and it's just a huge expenditure. There's no reviews out for this yet, but I have a feeling that that mode is going to get hammered in reviews. Hmm. Um, that's my my impression. But I've been oh, and then the people that made that mode are going to get hammered. Yeah, I've been an outlier before, so it, it's possible. But I think this is one of those things that I think objectively most people are going to be like, it's trash. So. We'll see how it goes. Review should be coming out any day now, my guess is. So keep an eye out for that. But there you go. Madden NFL 20 coming out August 2nd. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Smash Brothers. Big day today for Smash. Yeah. Smash Brothers version 4.0 releases today. It's available now on Switch. Um, the biggest update to the game since launch, I would I would argue. Mm-hmm. Uh what what would you say is the biggest feature of? Well, I mean, the biggest feature is the new character. You but, think that's uh, the biggest thing to most people? I would say. Yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, there's good there's good stuff in it, and like the the tournament edition is good. Like the, the ability to do online tournaments adds a, a badly needed bit of something to the online play. Which it's is, crazy because if you remember the beta, that's all there was, right? Wasn't it just? A, no, I mean, I'm I thinking Mario Tennis Aces. I'm thinking of. I think that's Mario Tennis, yeah. Yeah, Mario Tennis Aces. But the tournament mode in this looks just like Mario Tennis Aces. It has the same visuals and structure and everything. Yeah, well, I mean, 
efficient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, if you play Mario Tennis Aces, you'll be able to jump into this no problem and make I mean, these I do think, right I away. I think the Dra- Dragon Warrior Edition is a big deal, or Dragon Quest is a, is a big deal, just because um, that is, a, I think, a very classic uh, Nintendo franchise if you go back far enough, and uh, and I'll even be uh, mentioning it in the next topic as well. Um, but uh, it, it, I mean, it helps complete kind of the roster of what seems to be, you know, called ultimate it's supposed to be the ultimate smash brothers so uh, i think that's a big deal especially like being able to choose the different versions of them of the different from the different yeah so there's games. four maybe explain that how that works there's four different characters but but they're all the just the dragon quest protagonists yeah. so they're they're from the different dragon quests because there's a different you know like final fantasy dragon quest is the same elements remixed every time and so the different characters so the, the you have a different hero in each one and so because you know, that's sort of part of the deal. Uh, each alternate, instead of alternate costumes, you basically have the different heroes from four different Dragon Quests. That's pretty cool. So you can see there that the guy on the left is from the new, the current one, Eleven. Yep. Uh, I think that's the classic guy on on the right. Um, the Final Smash. You can see uh, this Final Smash brings all the uh, job all, them cl- together. all the job classes yeah. together from uh, you know from the games. Um, it's cool. I do like that the the characters like, if the characters are from a big kind of like large cast, uh, the, in the Smash Brothers, like they they use the final smash and the various moves to sort of bring in everybody from that yeah. game to kind of make a little cameo, and that's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Uh, also, a new stage, which is what we're seeing yeah. right now. Dragon Quest stage. It's a moving stage. Which everybody loves so much. This will not be in tournaments. Yeah. Um, Usually, do you I mean, think Nintendo takes that into account when it makes stages? I think sometimes. I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather have a fun stage that looks cool than something that's tournament legal. Yeah. Because I don't care about that. But there's like, you know, well, we're not export stars. There's a, you know, it is fairly flat here, so maybe yeah. it might, maybe it might make it in. I don't know. The thing that I remember, the thing that that gets you dis, one of the ones disqualified was the, um, it's uh, one, I think, is, it, is it Star Fox? It's something on a plane. And it, it yeah, Star Fox. It You're on Great Fox. But that no, that's 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 one of the old ones. This is oh. a, this is one I think from the last game. And like you are, on, it might be another Star Fox where you're on another, like an R wing or something. But you're constantly like moving, like it's doing barrel rolls, and you're on it. So like the environments we were, and it actively like makes certain people nauseous. <laughs> so that is banned in tournaments because like it's unfair to nauseate your opponent in order to beat them, <laughs> um, which I thought was funny. I'm, I'm like that's funny. Le- that's legitimate. That's a legitimate reason yeah. to disqualify something. Yeah, for sure. But. Um, yeah, so I don't know if this will make it into uh, the roster of approved stages, but uh, I sure think it's a cool like little tribute to the to the series. I'm with you. I prefer stages like this that move yeah. around because that, look, I'm not an, I'm not the kid from Pennsylvania that just won three million dollars at a Fortnite tournament. <laughs> <laughs> I just play for fun, and to me, the stages that move. I mean, look at that. I can see where that might make you motion sick a little bit. Maybe, yeah. But uh, I like the stages that move around. It mixes things up. Although one thing I would say is it does make it harder still to track your character, which is a problem I always have in this game. Is like, where in the hell is my character? Oh, there he is falling off the stage to his death. <laughs> and moving stages don't make that any easier. But they're more. I think they are more fun. They certainly inject a wild card into each match. Like if you're playing against people who are really good, sometimes stages like this give you a chance to maybe show up mm-hmm. instead of just getting crushed every time and i get why you want a uh, a still stage for esports tournaments and things like that and an even playing field but 
if I'm just playing for fun, man. Yeah, I, I'd rather have all the items on and all the crazy yeah. shit happening. I mean, that's Smash to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get why they do it for eSports tournaments, but, you know, I'm not an eSports athlete. Memo, if you didn't get that memo. Uh, and then here's another new feature. There's a bunch of new me character mm-hmm. stuff that comes from Dragon Quest. Um, do you ever play with me characters? No. Like in anything? No. No? I do. I mean, unless it's like the only thing you can use. Yeah. But I don't remember the, la- remember the last time I did that. I typically do. Like in Mario Kart, like my character is my me. No, I would... Uh... I if I were to play Mario Kart, I'd probably stick with Toad again. Yeah, I, I mean he's always he's, Toad. He, he's my main if I'm playing like a character that the game gives you. Mm-hmm. But I typically play with my me, and it, usually in any game that Nintendo offers me play, I do play with my me, which is maybe a little weird. And I did play Smash Brothers Ultimate with my me as well. So uh, I think a lot of people might do the same thing. Um, and obviously any additions that you can give them to help them customize and make them more uh, in tune with what they like and what they enjoy. That's always a good thing. Uh, here's a look at the tournament mode. Holy cow, can you get a lot of people in a tournament? Yep. That's insane. <laughs> that is so many. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could run your own esports tournament from that tournament mode right there, basically. Yeah. We're coming up on uh, Evo this weekend. That's right. Yeah. What's the big headline for Evo this weekend? Is there one? Smash Brothers. In what way? It's the final game on Sunday. Oh, okay. So it's, Ooh. It's, it's got the... Well, it's weird because wow. like, like it's the it had the most entrance, so it kind of got the place of honor at the end of the tournament, but all the people that pr- play fi- like the normal fighting games and don't care about Smash are just like, oh, cool, I can go to bed early. Oh, right. So, the, so you got the Smash fans who are like, yeah, we got, the, we got the, the place of honor, and all the other fighting game fans are like, oh, cool, all the stuff I want to see is just going to be over, and then the <laughs> Smash people can watch what they want to watch. I can watch a TV show at night or whatever. I mean, if you're in Europe, that stuff goes late. And, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's smarter, I think, to put Smash at the end, both because uh, you let the Smash people kind of go crazy for it at the end, and also um, you don't have to wait four hours between you know, previously, previous uh, Evo you know, finals Sundays the last few years have been like, watch watch like Blaze Blue and Mortal Kombat or whatever, and then like go do something else for four hours while Smash happens, and then do another few hours because if they did Melee and and Smash Four on the same day, it was like um yeah like we're we got nothing to watch for six hours. I don't care about watching Smash competitive. Yeah, and then you come back. I never watch Smash. I don't. Though. It's not interesting to me. To I mean, watch. part of it might be that it's on on the days I, I usually. Usually what I do with Evo is I watch almost all day Sunday Mm because it's all the finals, and that's when all the best players are left, and I can't spend a whole weekend watching a fighting tournament. So typically, like, I'll catch a little bit of Smash on Sunday, just kind of the grand finals or whatever. I'll watch that last match to see who the Mm -hmm. best Smash players are and see kind of how how good they are and how terrible I am. (laughs) But then I watch the big boys for the rest of the night, and that's pretty Mm -hmm. much my Evo watching. And I'm guessing a lot of people are the same. I think so. I mean... Smash, the Smash community and the fighting game community are mostly separate things. Yeah, it's just, they are. It's just Smash didn't have another real venue for it, and then it proved to be popular. But I don't think there's a for, you know, most people don't believe there's a lot of crossover between the two. Um, it's just there's nowhere else Smash fits. Yeah, you know, and Nintendo. I guess they're getting better, but like for a long time, Nintendo wasn't interested in helping or sponsoring. So like, it made sense for Smash to kind of piggyback on the success of the fighting game community because there were these big tournaments already happening and Smash kind of fit into them and you might as well do it because it's, it's a fighting game. So uh, as much as uninterested in watching competitive Smash play as I am, I don't think 
you can deny it's a fighting game. I've no, been, no, I've been arguing. Not. Oh, I mean, that's. A I know there are argument. people that argue that, yeah. But I've been on the side of Smash as a fighting game since the first game. Oh, for so sure, me too. Yeah. It's just a different kind of fighting game, you know. It's an arena brawler. Yeah, I mean, I'd call Power Stone a fighting game too. It's, it's, it's. But I just don't care about. It. I mean, there's plenty of fighting games I don't care about. It's not just Smash. Oh, I'm not, uh, not going to watch a Time Killers uh, tournament either. Well, actually, I might watch that because it's ridiculous. But. <laughs> uh, w. Matthew said in the chat, and yes, we, we're going to be more active with chat during the show going forward. Um, he says that stages generally don't get banned because they move. They get banned because of hazards. Yeah, that's true. But the one stage that I can't actually remember the specifics on is banned because it makes people motion sick. Yeah. It's, I can't remember which one it was. It's either F-Zero or, like, Star Fox or something, but it constantly is in motion. It's all, f- like, a first-person, like, dive through, like, a an aerial thing or something. And uh, I get it. Like, it makes, like, I was surprised when I found that out, but I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. So since Smash is the finisher, when when is Street Fighter? Street Fighter's right before it. Okay. So Street Fighter's probably, like, mid-afternoon. I can't I, don't, I haven't actually paid attention too much to the schedule. The schedule is, I think, four or five games. I think the schedule... Actually, it might be, yeah, early afternoon, because I think Tekken is second to last. Really? I think wow. the schedule is... What a is, changing of the guard. I want to say the schedule is, on Sunday, is weird anime fighting game. I can't ever remember. It's like Under Night, Stay Fate, something. Uh, Blaze Blue, um... Street Fighter, Tekken 7, and Smash. Wow. I think that's what that they is. flip completely upside down. There might be another game in there. So I know Mortal Kombat's not on it, Sunday. It's at Evo, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. but it's Saturday. It's a Saturday final. Okay. And I think Dragon Ball Fighters is also a Saturday final. Um, I don't think they're in Sunday, which okay. is crazy because, man, the hype for that game got killed flat by its own license holder in the space of a year. It really did. I mean, I can't remember a new fighting game have that much momentum. Period. No. And then to see it gone in 12 months' time, yeah. that is it, so horribly they just, managed. They just killed it. They like, did. There's nothing Bondi could do about it. Like It's nuts. So there you go. And then there's rumors about Evo that Sony has some kind of an announcement. Sony Sony is uh, sponsoring something for the Yeah. Sony is there for something. Nobody Evo's pumping that. the tires on that pretty hard. I don't know if yeah. it's going to be one of those things where people tune in and they're like, really? I mean, my guess, I mean, there's people like, oh, Street Fighter Six. I mean, that, I made a joking well, comment already said about that's that. That's not it. It's not it. Well, yeah. well no, uh, what's, his, what's his name? Um, just said, I don't have it. But he's promoted now, so he wouldn't have it. Was it what, uh, I thought Ono, ono said o- Ono said, I don't have Street Fighter Six. But he's not the one who'd be making Street Fighter Six because he's a he's an exec now. He's a higher level exec now, huh. so it could be a red flag. So could there's be a, a chance. Could be red so herring. So you're saying there's a chance. Saying there's a chance, <laughs> but it's not a good one. The chances are, I mean, it's pr- if Sony's there, honestly, it's probably a Tekken thing. Yeah, um, Tekken's a more Sony related franchise. Um, I don't see why you'd want to extend that Street Fighter deal after how Street Fighter Five performed anyway. Um, I mean, it worked out for Capcom because they got so much money from Sony, but like, didn't work out didn't for work Sony. Didn't work out for Sony. So, yeah. Um, and then uh, I think I mean, it'd be good for everybody, though, if it doesn't happen. The other, yeah. I mean, the other question is: um, there's been a lot of speculation and a lot of weird sort of hinting about another Marvel versus Capcom, uh, which Sony potentially could get in on, um, especially in the wake of Nintendo getting their own exclusive Marvel game. Uh, somebody uh, was it? Uh, I think it was Clockwork did some some data diving on the source code for uh, for uh, Marvel Infinite and found that there was like a like sixty one characters planned and like eighteen stage like they had long range plans for that game that got killed yeah. because the game flopped and um, 
which also means there's probably a bunch of assets you could just That's mix true. back into a, new, a Marvel vs. Capcom four and just do it better this time. You're right. Yeah, it could uh, work. So that could be that could be. Um, but chances are it's going to be like there's an you know Kratos is in Tekken seven or something. You know, it's, it's going to be something way less than what we're hoping. It's you know everyone's hoping for a crazy new game announcement, and we're going to get like, you know, <laughs> hey Hachi can use. Kratos' axe. Right. Now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's going to be less than you expect. But. Yeah. Or you, you may be right. It may just be like Kratos is appearing in yeah. some. The other game. super long shot is Sony has stepped in because of Tekken 7 success and they're going to throw in some money to get Tekken Cross Street Fighter made. Or. After all these years. Or secure it as an exclusive yeah. for something yeah. like that going forward. Well, if they did yeah. that, that would be, make it an exclusive. Because Tekken but. was a PlayStation fighter. Yeah. And Tekken 7 ever. is doing really well, so yeah. capitalizing on... I, if, if Sony's there for any reason, my guess would be they're there to capitalize on Tekken. Okay. Um, and I say that as a non-Tekken fan. Like, I just feel like that makes the most sense, because Tekken is kind of killing it right now. Yeah, so kind of crazy. It's... Uh, I mean, I don't... I, Tekken, when I used to cover Evo in person for G4... When the Tekken finals came on, every even the people that were there to, to play, like the, the competitive people were like, Tekken's on, you want to go get dinner? It's like, <laughs> like, it, was, it, was like, that's lit, it was literally the, the food break. Right, right. Tekken. But now like Tekken is the thing that you want to watch because Tekken 7 is way more interesting to watch than that game has ever been before. Agreed, agreed. So it's a totally different spec- – they've really tweaked that game to be more of a spectator sport, and it's paying off for them. So it's uh, – the, the landscape has changed a lot. A lot in the, the last 12 months even. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's surprising that Mortal Kombat isn't in the last day. Yeah, I mean, I don't last know. Blue, I don't know like, quite what happened there. Um, yeah, it's weird. Maybe Warner Brothers just didn't step in with the. Prom- I mean, the, I mean, you basically you basically buy your place <laughs> in the finals. Yeah, so, I know. Like, yeah. I, maybe Warner Brothers just hasn't decided. They They're probably like, like we made enough money off sales. Like we're good. Yeah, I mean, they don't need it. Really. I don't know that Evo sells games at all. Like I don't think it. it I mean, it sells accessories. Yeah, like it sells fighting sticks. fighting sticks and stuff um, like that. Yeah, but. but like, and it can and it can legitimize a game that's struggling in the eyes of community like um under night stafe whatever under i can't remember what the name of that <laughs> under game. rebirth but overnight. i but i i'm aware of it because it made it into like the evo stuff because they you know it, the community wanted it there yeah. and, and stepped up for it so it's a good story yeah uh evo starts thursday or friday uh pools should start friday i think everybody gets there thursday there might be like casuals streaming yeah. on thursday night Yep. So we'll have it curated on Sifted beginning. Unless they've Friday. expanded it to Thursday, I don't. If they did expand it to Thursday, I don't know. I think I think I saw Justin Wong complaining about something like that. Maybe. Oh really? Expand. I've been. I honestly have not been paying a lot of attention to the schedule because I figure when it gets there, I'll just watch it. You know? Yep. But if you're interested, the big the big day Sunday. That's when all the grand finals happen. If you're really interested in Mortal Kombat, maybe check that out on Saturday. Uh, for the most part, you can tune in around, like, 1 o'clock on Sunday and then watch the rest of the day and see all the big stuff. Oh, no, it's much earlier on Sunday. I'm saying to not miss the big stuff. Like, no I, one's going to really care about that game you can't remember the name of. Yeah, but it's actually pretty fun <laughs> Is to watch. It? And that in Blaze Blue, like, it's interesting to watch the, the really good players play. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Street Fighter is going to start pretty early. I think it might be as early as, well, yeah, well, it starts at 8 uh, it might be as early as like noon. Yeah. Noon or one, I think, is Street Fighter. I know typically I tune in around noonish, one o'clock, and I usually get to see everything I really care about. Yeah, I just think it's different this year. Yeah, 
if you tune in around noonish, one o'clock, you're going to catch like the tail end of usually Tekken and then the beginning of Smash Brothers in previous years. And this year, it's all different. Yep. Street Fighter is happening much earlier. Okay, uh, so keep that in mind and again. Not, not going to be on ESPN two. <laughs> uh, keep that in mind. Yeah, it'll probably be better for it. Honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't on last year either. I thought it was. No, they I only thought got, it was on TV. They last only did year. two years. Oh, okay. You can tell they they weren't because Seth was back on the stream. All right. <laughs> Which is weird. Like he's made for like TV. I think he is. Oh, he's great. Like, yeah. I, I thought I thought he and Mike Ross did a great job. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was uh, I think that was who it was the first year, and then I think James Chen did it the yeah. second year with him. Right. And James Chen's great too. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. They're both. They're all good. Honestly. They're all. They're some of the best around. Um. So I'm sure it'll be Seth and J- and James this for the finals this year, and that's great. Like Seth is is one of the best commentators in esports. I, I think, think he's the best. He's uh, my opinion, but you know who else is really good, and you never get to hear him because um, he's playing all the time. Is Justin Wong? Really? Justin Wong is a great commentator. Well, at least um, he's gonna have a career after his. Uh, he knows the, his reflexes go. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think they'd have gone by now, but he's yeah, still still hanging, still great. man. It's pretty um, awesome. He's got. If you want to watch tune, I think it's Saturday will be the final. Tune in and watch him play uh, Samurai Showdown. He's really he's, he's he was been promoting it like yeah. I think he was paid by them he was to, he wasn't but he's also very good at it yeah and it's it's he's very interesting to watch because if you really want to see why that game is interesting and why it's why we it care doesn't, after yeah, it doesn't all this feel time. like at any other fighting game like watch him play that thing it's okay. it's a totally different way of approaching a fighting game yep so it'll be curated on sifted Matt and I'll talk we'll recap Evo mm-hmm. on the show next Tuesday and we'll talk about yeah. that hopefully went, there is a big announcement that would be awesome yeah, that went a little off the rails for. Smash Brothers, but well, no, I mean, I'm actually I'm glad you brought it up. We should have talked about Evo anyway, mm-hmm. and it just naturally transitioned into it. So, so. I also read that there's rumors, uh, some 4chan post that was correct about the other DLC characters, uh, the other characters they had listed because the other they had listed were uh, a Monster Hunter character and Doom Guy for Smash Brothers. For Smash by the Brothers, way. yeah. Um, which would be kind of amazing. Like I saw some reports from QuakeCon where people were blown away by how much Bethesda was promoting nintendo yeah i think the like, people like kind of scoffed at the doom guy thing but i think the relationship between bethesda and nintendo like that makes a lot of sense apparently at QuakeCon, it was switch like two to one with any other platform mm-hmm. and uh people felt like it was almost like a co-branded event with nintendo that's mm. that's how overt it was so that lines up with doom guy coming into smash and at this point I wouldn't say any character doesn't make sense for Smash. No, I, I think after Cloud came in, yeah. like all bets were off because Cloud had never even, I think, been on a Nintendo system. So you like, can stylize characters in such a way that they're all going to fit in. And I mean, as far as what the characters do, there's yeah. really no limits at this no, point. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean it, and like when in terms of clashing style, I mean, you already had that with like Metroid versus Mario versus Ness, you know, in the original game. And like, I think uh, Solid Snake and Melee proved that anything can work. Pretty much, so yeah, go for it. I think in Doom, you know, Doom guy's a piece of game history. Like the more Smash Brothers just seems to be sort of a a big mashup of famous game things at this point. So why not put Doom in? Yeah, uh, Wolfox Ten JC in the chat says, "Why don't you host Evo on your Twitch channel? Maybe we'll, maybe we will. Um, we should probably do more like rehosting with our channel mm-hmm. than we do." Um, if any of you guys have Twitch channels and uh, you have a, at least a little bit of a following, uh, send me a link to your Twitch channel, and I'll go and check out. Make sure you have archives of your broadcast there, and uh, I'll go and check them out. And if it looks like you're doing some pretty high-quality stuff, we have no problem with hosting you guys. So uh, you can send that stuff to me, DM me on the site at Shane, or you can send me a DM on Patreon, and uh, I'll get back to you. So 
there you go. Smash Brothers version 4.0. Biggest update yet. Seems pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, Evo coming this weekend. Good timing so, for Evo. Yeah. So it's a big week for fighting games in general. And it's time to move on. We're going to talk next about, since we only had four days to get this show together, we're doing a fun topic today. Uh, there was a study that came out uh, this week that determined that based upon 18 to 24-year-old young people, um, there are certain video games that they have found that are great to play with their significant other. And the top game on the chart was Mario Kart. Mm. And uh, it got me thinking, okay, what game? Not Mario, New Super Mario Brothers. No. <laughs> which should be called Divorce Mode. Yeah. <laughs> no, Mario Kart was the winner. And it got me thinking, it's like, okay, well... You know, I'm not 18 to 24 anymore, unfortunately. That would be very nice if I were, but I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> Facing <laughs> down that job market. <laughs> oh, yeah. You mean if you're 18 to 24 trying right to get now, a job? Yeah. yeah, there's lots of kids coming out of college that can't get jobs, so they're all working like three minimum wage jobs or whatever. But maybe their student loan debt's going to be wiped away. <laughs> might, that might happen. But, but anyway, it got me thinking, even at my age, are there games that still can be kind of that conduit between my wife and I uh, to help our romance? And that was the, the word that they use, like which games help romance between two people? Okay, well, that's a question I don't know what you're talking about because it's never. It's just it's a pastime. Yeah, but sharing pastimes with your significant other can engender romance, I think. Yeah. It can bring you closer together for sure. Uh, Mario Kart doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. And uh, so Mario Kart was the winner, and I started thinking about my picks, and I was like, well, I bet Matt has different picks than I do. And so we're going to share with you, both of us, two games uh, that we feel like helps us in our relationships grow closer or be more romantic with our significant others. Uh, I'm going to start, and my first pick is Mario Kart. <laughs> There's a reason why it came in number one. And for me, absolutely, it's number one. I cannot think of another game that I've played more with my significant other than Mario Kart. And I think for two reasons. One, it's very approachable. You can play it with two buttons, basically. Gas mm -hmm. and actually just one. You don't even really need the brake. You can play Mario Kart just holding the gas button and tilting the analog stick around the track. And I think... That is something that made my wife become interested in it because I'm like, it's one button. You can handle it. And then she played it. She read, she's like, you're right. It is one button. But wait a minute. How are you sliding around all the turns? <laughs> Don't worry about that. Just worry about the gas button and staying on the track. The other thing, too, is that my wife looks like Princess Peach. So <laughs> <laughs> she immediately, when she, any game that has Princess Peach in it, she'll play it. It's really bizarre. Like, I got her a uh, Game Boy Advance SP in Japan that was Princess Peach. And I got her that god-awful Princess Peach game that came out for it. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I remember, what was it called? Princess uh, Peach? Super Princess Peach. There's some, Anyway. And, like, it, one of her superpowers was, like, hysterically crying. Yeah, that's reason. right. That's right. <laughs> I wouldn't get away with that in the West. but uh, well, They did. They put it out in the West. With that, with that in it? Yeah. Did they? That's how I played it. But uh, I came back with that, and she was over the moon. She's like, oh, my gosh, this is, like, one of the best gifts you ever got me. <laughs> and so I got her that. I got her, like, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 or something like that. And she played it for about a week and then packed it away, and it has, I haven't seen it since. Mm. So somewhere in her closet, there's a collector's version from the Pokemon Center uh, that probably might be worth some money at this point, but she, <laughs> she doesn't care. Um, but just because it was Princess Peach, she actually played the Princess Peach game for a hmm. while before she gave it up. 
Mario Kart. She plays Mario Kart. She plays as Princess Peach. I it it does look a lot like my wife, and uh, I think she like looks at it and is like that's me. So uh, she hasn't played Mario Kart in a while now. Time to move on to cosplay. Yeah, the, during the N sixty four era, she was into it. Like we'd have people over and we play Mario Kart all night, and she'd be the one one of the people sitting there playing all night, waiting for her turn. She played battles. She played races. Um, and then she played Double Dash a good bit. And then from there, she started weaning off of it. But without a doubt, the one game that I've played the most with my wife, my significant other, is Mario Kart. What's your first pick, Matt? Um, well, my the first pick in general was probably just RPGs. Um, but like to narrow it, I knew you were going to want a specific game. So yep. then I narrowed it down to Kingdom Hearts. Um, that's probably the game because most of the I haven't played a lot of competitive or even co-op games with my girlfriends over the years because most of them don't want to play with me. Like, like, there's a whole thing where they're like, "Oh, you're going to beat me." It depends on how competitive or, they are. Or if it's like a co-op thing, they're like, "Oh, I'm not going to be good enough to keep up with you or whatever." And I'm like, "I don't care." You know, it, it doesn't doesn't matter. Do you so, like helping your significant other in co-op games get through? I get. I don't know. I haven't really done much of it. I like, do. You know, I do. They don't play with me like that. Um, also, for a long time, the co-op wasn't feasible because we only had like one system, one TV in the house, or right? Like, that kind of thing. Um, so most of what I think the most I've played of anything with girlfriends over my lifespan is art JRPGs. Wow, um, my the, wife would not touch a JRPG. The first, the first game I ever played with a girlfriend was with with my first girlfriend in high school. Uh, like first serious girlfriend and I came over to her house and she's like you want to play Dragon Warrior and we played Dragon wow. Warrior she had Dragon Warrior 3 on her Nintendo we played Dragon Warrior 3 like start to finish Winner. over the course of like a month or something uh-huh. um, so that was fun uh, and like that's sort of like you know, whenever I get a new JRPG you know my, my girlfriend now like would always you know she likes anime stuff and she likes all that stuff anyway so she basically she'd knit and watch me play and she would care about the story and, and pay attention to the characters and uh, I think Kingdom Hearts is the stuff probably like I I played most extensively when the when all of them came out not three because three she's kind of over it at this point but yeah she keeps saying, I think a lot of people were she keeps saying she's like oh I got I gotta get around to three I gotta play three like she's brought her copy of three to friends houses to let them play it but and she, she hasn't, hasn't played, played it herself <laughs> um, so she's more of a Kingdom Hearts three conduit than an actual Kingdom Hearts three <laughs> player. Um, but I don't. Bl- I didn't finish three either. I, 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 I did. I, I stalled out some halfway through. Um, but uh, so I played a one. The Disney angle obviously. Is I played a big one book. and two definitely with her. Like hundred percent of the two of those with her on the couch with me. Uh, she. I watched her finish uh, Final Mix, the Japanese versions of Final Mix for Chain of Memories and. Uh, Kingdom Hearts Two on the PlayStation Two because she had a Japanese PS Two that we. But she wow. Play those. Um, she's hard. Like import stuff. She's hardcore. I mean, she yeah, plays core. <laughs> she plays uh, like all the 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 Idol Master games in Japanese. Oh wow! I mean, this, I mean, I'm cheating a little bit here because like she's. I don't have to convince her to play games. We just play different games. Right. Right. Um, and now she's like. A, I do have to convince. Now she's like two thousand hours in Overwatch. So like. Yeah. But it's, like I said, I don't play Overwatch. It's like right now she mostly just wants to play Overwatch and Dead by Daylight. Yeah. But um. Uh, so we play a lot. I mean, I, if you name a JRPG from the last, like, 18 years, I play, probably played it with her watching. Wow. Uh, she also would do that with um, Assassin's Creed because she loves Assassin's Creed. But My does. wife likes Assassin's Creed because of the historical stuff. Yeah, she does she, it, my, same. Believe it or not, my wife also likes Call of Duty hmm. because when I play multiplayer, 
the maps are set all over the world. Mm. And she has fun trying to look at Figure the map and guess where it is. Yeah. Yeah, she does. I don't, she's never watched me play a lot of first-person shooters because she doesn't care about first-person shooters or didn't until Overwatch. Yeah. But Overwatch is a kind of a different thing. It is, From, yeah. like, watching somebody play Doom or yeah, Halo. Yeah. Um, or and, Call of Duty. And she's very susceptible to motion sickness, so ah. if she's watching someone else play a first-person game, it can get to her. Uh-huh. But JRP, I mean, the Tales games, the the, the Shadow Hearts games, um, most Final Fantasies, most of the Assassin's Creed. Like, Assassin's Creed she likes, and she does play some of them herself, but, like, um, I think she's also a little reticent to commit that kind of time to playing something that long and so she just cuz those games just keep getting longer. They do. <laughs> they do. I mean she, you know, she's a big fan of Egypt so she loved uh, Origins, but uh-huh. that, she didn't watch me play much of that. I think she wanted to play that herself cuz yeah. it's her it's her time period she loves, loves the most. But yeah, so I think like Kingdom Hearts was the most successful thing, like or at least the thing that we both stayed interested in long enough to finish everything and and play most of this year until they went handheld in which case like you can't. Two people can't crouch over a PSP <laughs> for like forty yeah. hours. It's not a. It's not a good idea. Yeah. Just for your back. Um, yeah, I would say that was like kind of the key. It's like JRPGs have been the, uh, oddly enough, been the largest bonding tool game wise with uh, ev- like everyone updated. Interesting. Now, would you play? Do you think she would play a JRPG cooperatively with you if the feature was there? Maybe. Like yeah. I don't. Like she's not into playing with me. I think. She, okay. She. Well, maybe now I don't know. Like she's like us, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But also just like she always had a thing where she's just like, no, I, I, you know, you're you you play these things like like an expert or whatever, which I don't. I'm not. You, right. know, you watch someone play like a speed run or something. I'm like not like that. She would never play fighting games with me, and she worked on some of them. Yeah, you know, like I could see that though. You're really good at fighters. I'm not that. I mean, I'm I'm better, too good to play with my friends and not good enough to play to competitively. Play I'm kind yeah, of, you're in there, the middle. I think, I think there was a hard times that net article like parody article about that where it's just like you, just, you, you hit that middle point you're in no man's land where you you know you're good enough to to beat anyone casually but you just don't have the patience or or care or, enough or motivation to practice <laughs> enough to be good enough for a turn also if i want to be in a tournament i have to drive like 30 miles south to irvine and right it's just like mm, on wednesday <laughs> and i'm just like not happening I, I i used to go to wednesday night fights uh when it was near the lax and it was near, yeah, at the proud bird um <laughs> but then they moved to a much bigger much nicer venue down at the esports arena down in uh like down by irvine um, which is absolutely a better place for them to be, but not a better place for me to visit them. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of how how like, the situation there. Okay. Well, my second pick is Guitar Hero slash Rock Band. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Honestly, I keep forgetting that series existed because it's like gone. It's gone. Now. It's, I mean, it's, it's actually not, not gone. Like they put out new trailers yeah. for those games every week. It, Rock, Rock Band Four still happens. Rocksmith just got an update thing. Like they're, they're they're still there. It's just they're just not part of the zeitgeist anymore. But I'll be perfectly honest. There's no game better if you're a male hoping to attract a female through games. I don't think there's any better game than Rock Band or Guitar. Oh yeah, I, I have some friends the. That they uh, when they first started dating, um, one of their first one of their earliest dates was strip rock band, oh. strip guitar hero. I can't say I've ever done that, but uh, <laughs> whoever had the higher had the lower score at the end of the song had to remove clothing, basically. But what puts rock band and guitar hero over the top, even over Mario Kart, for me, in all honesty, is that I I cannot just convince my wife to play those games. Her friends, when they come into town, will play it. Mm. So her girlfriends from the Bay Area, from when we lived up there, they'll come down and visit us sometimes. 
and they came and played like three years. They come down. They're like, let's play rock band. I'm mm-hmm. like, there. <laughs> You're like, where is that? I don't even know where that <laughs> stuff is anymore. Like the guitar. Like I don't know where the guitar. The gu- it's just like it's just rotted batteries. Everywhere. Yeah, and like, like there's battery acid yeah. all over it. Like I don't even like have that stuff available to play anymore. But they would play all mm-hmm. night. All night. I should I should break out the drums again because I never played drums in rock band because I lived above someone. I, uh, I tried it once and she came up after the woman who lived below me came up after like five minutes was like, "What the fuck?" And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like "Oh, fine." I, I was I thought I might be able to get away with it, but I didn't. Nope. So. <laughs> but now I, I live in my own house, so I could probably just drum. All I day. learned how to play drums in rock band. I learned pretty, how yeah, to play with my feet in my hands. And I had been in bands growing up, like, from, like, 15 to, like, 20. I was in three different bands. I had never learned how to play drums. I can play bass. I can play some guitar. And I would sing. Drums were the one thing I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to play drums with rock band. As far as, like, breaking that mental hurdle of doing one thing with your feet and doing something else mm-hmm. entirely with your hands. And it just took repetition. And there was just that one moment where I broke through. I'll never forget it. That one time where it's just like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. My hands are doing one thing. My feet are doing the other. I can play drums. And then I just got better and better after that. So you'd hit that moment in Bloodborne. No, I never did. (laughs) But uh, look, she would play that with me even if there was no one around. Mm. She'd be like, she'd just want to sing. Yeah, we did play a lot of rock bands. So she'd just headband. sing and karaoke, and I'd play the guitar or whatever instrument I wanted to play. Mm. And then, when, like I said, like Although she, sometimes she was too shy to, to sing, so she'd like turn away and sing quietly into yeah, the microphone, <laughs> and it would still register on the thing, but I just couldn't hear anything. I'm like, all right, this that's is what we're funny. Do. Uh, but and y- she found some songs she liked. Uh, you know, that was a good way to expose yourself to music you wouldn't have heard otherwise. So. Yeah, and I mean, look, when you've dated someone or have been with someone as long as I've been with my wife, like, you have your songs that mm-hmm. you two share. Like, once you have your wedding, you have, like, the song that you do your dance to and all that stuff. But there's just songs throughout your relationship history that you're like, remember when we were here and this song played and blah, blah, blah. A lot of those songs appear in those games. So while you're playing them, you're like, we're singing our song. Mm. And that absolutely builds a bond between the two people. So... You know, Mario Kart deserves the win, I think, because for most people, I think it is the game that probably ingratiates itself to the other species more often. Other species. Or whatever. <laughs> another sex. But Rock Band... The female me, of the species. We're making a boys reference right, today. Right, right. Rock Band, for me personally, was the one that just broke down all the barriers, where she was coming to me and saying, hey, I want to play this. So mm-hmm. to me personally, that's the game that uh, generated the most romance. What's your uh, second pick, Matt? Uh, my second pick is uh, probably Uncharted. Uncharted? Um, Interesting. And it, to the point that Sony actually did advertise Uncharted with this. If you remember Uncharted 3, there was, a, there was an ad where the guy's going to play uh, Uncharted and his girlfriend's running around. It's like, it's time for more of that movie we watch every uh, night. Yeah, like, I do remember and that. And he's yeah. like, she thinks it's a movie. I don't know what the And like... Um, don't ask any questions. Just this, <laughs> like the, And I mean, it could, could kind of be a stand-in for sort of the cinematic Sony Sony stuff, yeah, but like, yeah, she would watch me play Uncharted. She, she loved uh, the characters. She didn't. She, she has no interest in playing like a duck and cover uh, shooter. Yeah, it's just not her thing. Well, the whole but romance wa- angle is but so she heavy. wants to see. She wants to see like this Indiana Jones style adventure story, and she wants to see what happens to these characters. Yeah, um, and I would argue that the love in that 
game is written very, very well. Yeah, the Elena stuff with him, for the most part, is very, I don't think it was very well done in 4, but uh, when Amy Hennig was writing it, it right. was extremely good. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so I can understand that. I could see where, I mean, I remember in Uncharted 3, there's that one scene where Drake and her are talking at like a, a, a fence through the fence. And I remember mm. I got choked up in that scene, like the two of them talking. So yeah, I can absolutely see where yeah, kind of, that's, I think that's a scene where you find out that between games, they got married. Maybe it's around there. Yeah. I don't even, I mean, it's sad that I can't remember it. If it affected me that much, I should remember exactly what Uncharted the three about. didn't stick in the memory quite as much as some of the others. Like, yeah. I remember the, I remember the, uh, rolling ocean liner sequence and that's in the sand sex sequence. And that's about it. That ocean liner sequence Holy crap. Pretty great. I Holy still crap. I don't have any proof of this, but I still believe that that um the ocean liner the ocean liner sequence is so out of nowhere in that game narratively that I still feel like this the story changed drastically from the beginning of the game as when they began began development, but they were far along. They started that ocean liner scene at the beginning and by the time they got to the point where like we might want to change uh, we can't change it. We're we're almost done with it. Like cuz the same thing happened with the train sequence in 2. They st- the train thing was the first thing they started and the last thing they finished. Yeah. So I feel like that ocean liner sequence was happening come hell or high water, no pun intended. And whether the story made sense with it or not, there was going to be an ocean liner sequence in Uncharted 3. Well, I'm glad that they put it in there because it's honestly one of the best levels I've ever played in a video game. I mean, the the technology going on inside that level is, like, mind-blowing. Yeah, that that and the train sequence, like, people do not appreciate just the levels of physics that are going on. How many different versions of the physics engine have to interact with different versions of itself on the, you know, the, you've got the world, but then you've got the tracks on the train and the train and its momentum around the, the train wheels and the and wheels and the suspension of the train and the characters on the train and the objects on the train that are being acted upon by the gravity of the planet and also the gravity and the centripetal force of the moving train. And then like things get blown up and then, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. That carried over to four as well, because yeah. if you remember the Jeep had like the tanks in the back and the yeah, tanks, the Jeep had that. Like, most video games, um, those tanks are welded. Oh, yeah, to they'd be conveniently strapped down. Not in a Naughty like, Dog not game. Not Naughty Dog. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, Lost Legacy has a train sequence near the end that I think gives twos a run for its money. Like, yeah. They, they, they do nothing. Else. But, and, but, like, that's the thing is, like, and it's a criticism that some people have that, like, watching Uncharted is almost as fun as playing it. More fun in some ways because you don't have to deal with the stupid, weird headshot problems here and there. But um, certainly it's more fun to watch someone deal with a damn Yeti in Uncharted 2. Cause I, didn't, I, don't, I don't like it when they bring in the weird monster stuff. The supernatural kind of, stuff. I mean, I don't mind doing supernatural stuff in a game like that. But the problem is every time they've done it, it breaks the combat. It does, and yeah. And it's, like, yeah. it's like, well, that's not fun anymore. But yeah, that was a that was a kind of a when a new Uncharted game would come out, it would be like, a, oh, we're gonna sit down and play this. I mean, it was sort of similar to Assassin's Creed, although there's more cinema in Uncharted uh, until Uncharted Four, when uh, I didn't really enjoy it and she didn't like Sam Drake any more than I did, and that was kind of the end of the end of the Uncharted oh. viewing. I liked like, Uncharted Four. Uncharted Four sort of killed Uncharted in my household. Wow, so. that's crazy. So although I did like Lost Legacy a lot. Yeah. So chat is sharing their romantic games. Um, Wii Sports, that's a good one. Yeah, that is good. That is good. She also played, my wife also played a ton of Wii Sports. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wii Sports was just everyone. Like, anyone would play. I mean, I remember parties where, like, people would just, like, people of every imaginable, like, interest that I knew, or and like we'd, everyone just get together and play Wii Tennis for hours and hours and hours and Wii Bowling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Like, it didn't matter. Like, people that I'd never played a video game with before uh, or... Um, what was I mean, it? that's what we did, though. It was yeah. the same era. So we'd yeah. play Rock Band until people got tired of Rock Band. And then we'd play Wii Sports. Same with... Uh, well, for, for a, little, for a, a little year bit, straight, uh, pretty much. For a little bit, the Kinect. Uh, so I remember going back for... An, it was a New Year's party, like, right, right when the Kinect was a thing. Yeah. And my friend had it at his place, and he had, he had a New Year's party... And I played, um, I played, uh, I think it was the, the whitewater s- rafting one. No, it was like a soccer thing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The header where you yeah. just headed in. I played yeah. that with my friend uh, Garrett, who I went to high school with. I'd known him for almost 20 years, and we had never played a game. He didn't care about video games. He was an outdoor guy. And yeah, he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't care about video games. He's like, oh, I'll play this. Because it's I, active. And yeah. like we finished it, and like I remember my friend was like, you just played a game with Garrett, like that's crazy. <laughs> and everyone like took turns playing playing it with Garrett because like no one had ever played a video game with. Hell him had frozen over, yeah, at pretty that much. Point. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I was, for a second there, I was a believer in Connect because I'm like, God, if I can get Garrett to play it, because his kids played, and so he'd play it with them, and he's like, oh yeah, this is actually pretty fun. Like, he never <laughs> he never touched a video game before. Wow. So that but that got him in. Here, and, and then it went away, and he never played it again, <laughs> but, like for a brief shining moment in time. Yep. The best moment of his life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Here's here's some of the stuff the chat's mentioning. Emperor of Dread says, <clears throat> I got a lot of action out of Team Fortress 2. Huh. Heavy medic combo is perfect for a couple. Mm, yeah, I can I see can that. I can see that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Potty 2, Pokemon Emerald for me. Mm. Uh, J. Reed Vic says, my sister and I used to play Sims as a team. Mm. So, yeah, there's definitely some... Uh, I used to watch my girlfriend play Sims. I couldn't play with her because she would mod her... Her Sims install on her computer was like five or six gigs of mods because she had very intricate stories to tell. Like, she played it the way Will Wright used to talk about it, those keynotes at, like, the, <laughs> the fancy... The way like, that nobody yeah, played it. You know, like, when he would, like, do charts of how stories work, and you're like, have you played <laughs> The Sims? Because it's just trapping them in the pool and watching them drown. Like, Pretty you know? much, yeah. <laughs> but, like, she would... I mean, she had different characters and designed different things, and this is a vampire, and he's a werewolf, and this is Starscream, and they all live in the house, and Starscream's in love with the vampire. But yeah. And I'm like, how do you make it all... She's like, oh, you just tweak the stats, and da-da-da. I'm like, and it was like... It was seriously, like, why watching a story like she made up stories in these ha- and had them play it out and it worked I, I, I could never get my freaking sim to go to work on time I know but they she, just die they she all played starve. out full soap operas in these <laughs> custom built houses she had it was wow crazy uh, other people are bringing up Mario Party that's a good one yeah. oh I used in college, overcooked in college uh, my girlfriend in college we used to play uh, you don't know Jack a lot um, that the trivia game which is back now as, as kind of the, the yeah. party pack thing we used to play the originals in that and um, uh, ev- until she got tired of me beating, <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually the movie one was outlawed because there was no way to beat me <laughs> at that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, for I don't know why, but she and my other friend Tiff used to come over and watch me play Tie Fighter on my because they like Star Wars. And I remember one time they were over and they they were there for like hours while I played Tie Fighter. And we just talked and blah, 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 and then they they left. And I remember my suite mate from across the, hall, the the bathroom, like we shared a bathroom with like another suite. And he came across and he's like, dude, can I ask you something? I'm like, well, he's like, how do you get women to come over and watch you play Star Wars video game? Like, what the hell is that? And I'm just like, well, they're not here for the video. They're just here to hang out. And they just, you know, that's It just I'm so doing. happens that these games are being played. Yeah. And yeah. like, they like to watch it while, while we're talking. And he's like, you talk to them. Huh. Like, it, was, it was like he learned something that day. I guess he was just like he's like talk to them. Wow. And like he's like I'm gonna think about that. I'm like you do that. <laughs> like, hey, uh, Z Nar 
88 thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. Killzone310, haven't seen you for a while, brother. Thank you for subscribing mm. with Twitch Prime. Um, until, freeze Frame Rate says, Until Dawn. Yeah, that's a good one. Like, like Anything where you make choices, I think, is a good one. You could yeah. make the choices together. Yeah. Mass, I mean, I would say Mass Effect and Dragon Age are in there, too. Actually, I know way more women who are Dragon Age fans than men. Um, and it actually just happened again. I, I was, could actually see that. It I happened think. again. I was in a... Uh, I was in a How's this for nerdy? Saturday, I spent most of Saturday playing a pen and paper Shadowrun campaign <laughs> with a bunch of people. And at one point, Dragon Age came up, and all the girls were just like, oh, Dragon Age, Dragon Age. Really? Are they do another Dragon Age? Gonna go to, I mean, dra they love Dragon wow. Age. Wow. Because Dragon Age addresses and deals with relationship elements that just don't come up in true. games for boys, quote-unquote. Yeah. And like a couple times, I've said, like, you know, I don't really like Dragon Age very much. And they're like, well... It's not for you. Like, ah, like, interesting. Like, like, we get our, you know, I'm, I'm they like, feel like it's made for them. Yeah, they feel like it's more geared to what they're interested in. I'm like, that might actually explain it. Like, because yeah, well, the gameplay true. doesn't do anything for me. And with Mass Effect, even if I didn't like the gameplay, I'd like the characters. But the I am not as interested in the character dynamics in Dragon Age. But it sure seems to work for uh, the like the women that I know that like that are willing to play a game like that. And um, I remember was I was hanging out with one of my friends and her mom was there and her mom is a big Dragon Age fan. Now her mom, now Say to be what? fair, her mom is like <laughs> your age. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, because now you can be friends with someone who's almost thirty and their mother is our age. Right. And yeah, it's true. That's how old we. Yeah, are. That's, that's how old we are. <laughs> and I was like, and I at one point I kind of got into like kind of a thing. It's like this, and I didn't like with this relationship with this person in this game, and then because I'm talking about Inquisition because I just replayed it like earlier this year. And, like, you could see her mom's eyes light up. She's like, oh, my God, I'm so glad we're talking about this. <laughs> like, like, I want to talk about when I dated the lizard guy in Mass Effect. And it's like, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's, it, if you She's can, a MILF. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mother died lizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but she, uh, but yeah, yeah, she's super into that. And she plays those games for the, the character relationships. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm like, have you heard about visual novels? <laughs> <laughs> I could ruin your life if you can tolerate the anime designs. Yeah. I think this is something that, that a lot of players struggle with, though, is how, one, I think a lot of people struggle thinking I can't find a significant other because I like games as much as I do or because I play games as mm -hmm. much as I do. That's not true. No, um, no that's a that's a misnomer. That's not a misnomer. That's not what that word means, but it's it's a misconception. Yeah, the way the, to me, the way that you always approach it is, look, there's things that you like to do with your free time. Your Your girl likes to mm -hmm. knit. Some people like are really into television shows. They really like movies. They really like to read. You like to play games. Um, and I find that that diffuses pretty much every anti-gaming position ever. Yeah. Is what also you have what you like to do in your free time. I have what I like to do on my free time. As long as neither of us are hurting anybody, we're both all good. What also helps if like it's not the only thing you do. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, Diversify. You know, like it's, you got to have more to you than just this one hobby. Well, chances are, if you don't have more to you than just one hobby, you're never going to talk to a girl anyway. Right. And like, and <laughs> the rest doesn't even matter. And that has nothing. To, like you could be super into baseball, and it would still be a problem oh, yeah. for the same reason. Yeah. You know, if you didn't love anything else yeah. but baseball, absolutely. Um, unless you found someone who just was also a hardcore also baseball. Also loved baseball. Fan. Yeah. And. Uh, the internet's good for that. Yeah, it can be. Back I, when we were kids, at, man, like at E3, <laughs> I, on an island. At E3, I actually met uh, someone. She was, uh, she is a super, super hardcore NBA fan. Oh. And she's like, it's a problem. Like, <laughs> like I'll date a dude, and he'll realize I know more about basketball than him, and he'll never call he'll me. He'll bail. 
<laughs> so like, so she's basically she's like, I'm looking for the hardest core NBA pl- fan I have e- in the world, and that's basically my match. And I'm just like, yeah. that that's hard. Like that's you know. And my wife is also a hardcore Pittsburgh fan. Yeah, and. Oh yeah, I mean I've been to Super Bowl parties where you where where, Pitts, where the Steelers are in the in that and you're both there and I'm like I'm like everybody just back away. Everybody just, <laughs> just let Shane and his wife just do the thing. <laughs> but I'll say this, like you get a terrible towel in the eye. Yeah, I I've been hardcore my whole life, literally since I was like four. Like mm-hmm. just hardcore. And Michelle grew up in the area, so she's always been a Pittsburgh fan. But just in the last like three or four years, she has gone to like super fan status. I don't know what happened, but it's to the point now where she is more bummed out and gets more into it than I do. Wow. Which is crazy. I'm not exactly sure what happened to change her. She started playing fantasy football as well a while ago, and maybe that ties into it somehow. I don't know. But uh, she has become more. Fantasy football is a hell of a drug. (laughs) It is. But she has become more of a fan over the last few years. She, I mean, if you watch a game with the two of us now, you would argue that she's the bigger fan than I am because I'm, like, the old guy who understands that, like, one play doesn't change that much. She's still at the stage where every play is life or death. Hmm. And so I'm like, oh, they lost two yards. That's okay. They're, they'll get it back on the next play. But she, it's two yards. But she's like, they lost two yards. <laughs> so it's, it's been interesting to watch kind of the evolution of fandom as, as time goes, and I'm sure that that applies with gaming and stuff mm-hmm. like that as well. So... So there you go. Thanks for supplying your picks in the chat as well. It's interesting to see what you guys think are games that help you with significant others. And it would be interesting, too, to get a, uh, a female's perspective uh, of a core gamer, a female core gamer, and what she thinks is a game that she can use as kind of a gateway game uh, to get a, <laughs> a guy to play games with her. Jorah Tom, we'll see how much of a super fan you guys remain when the Steelers start to collapse. I'm like, oh, it will remain. Yeah, it doesn't like, matter, I, man. See, if you, no... you forget, I lived through the 1980s where the Steelers were abysmal. And so when people tell me they're a Steelers super fan, mm. I ask them when they became a fan. And if it was after 1990, then I say you are not a super fan because all you've had is just victory. What if they were born in 1991? Mm, no. They still haven't. They've never it. had they've to never suffer. Had, yeah. They've never had to suffer. I suffered through an entire decade. And you have to realize I came into that decade as like a child Mm -hmm. so i grew up as a kid watching the steelers just win like i i I was so young and so naive that it was they just won and so when they started to lose i could not process it i couldn't deal with it they won four super bowls in six years as i was Mm -hmm. a little kid and so they just won that's what they did and so the 80s just devastated me because I just thought the Steelers were just mm. the best. I didn't know anything about football or anything. God before us, who could be against? Yeah, exactly. And I just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't compute it, man. And, like, the first year they were really bad, I would – every time they lose, i go in my bedroom and cry. And then my sister I would come I, in I wish and I point that, at me and laugh. I wish I cared that much about anything. <laughs> I like, was like – that, that is amazing to me that sports fans get so unhappy and so upset and I was five out. years old. You got to realize these I know 35-year-olds who do that when their team it's loses. Po- it's possible, I mean, yeah. You know that. But you got to realize they were my heroes. I mean, mm-hmm. Terry Bradshaw, all those – they were all my – they were like gods to me. And so I couldn't even understand how anybody could beat them. Like literally it was like Team Olympus to me. Like, they're mm. gods. Nobody can beat the Steelers. I mean, they were really good. They were, but still, and you're four years old. It's like mm. you get wrapped up in this world of, like, this is just the way it is in the 80s, man. Oh, my God. 
I mean, I grew up around. It taught I mean, me a lot, though, about yeah, not just about f- sports and football, but life. It's like things aren't always mm-hmm. what they seem. I mean, I don't care about football, but like I grew up in San Francisco in the eight in the Joe Montana years, the I Niners mean, when they had their dynasty. Oh yeah, yep. and uh, you know, I, I mean, I definitely I didn't live what you lived, but I definitely saw it happen, and I saw them. You know, I saw Montana left, and Young came in, and Young when Young was over, the Niners were over. Basically. That's pretty much how it works. You lose your quarterback, it's devastated my grandfather. Like he couldn't believe that that was how it was going to end basically yeah. and uh and even me i mean i i ran into joe montana in, in a warehouse as in w-h-e-r you know the music store the warehouse anybody remembers that yeah it's even older than tower records i ran into him <laughs> in a warehouse once in redwood city and uh even i was like oh my god it's joe montana like, i was like it's like i didn't even care about the football but like it, joe montana was the closest thing to yeah, like you said, like a a, god. an Olympic god yeah. walking yeah. around like a normal person. Yeah, and then at some point, and then he because he was in the store and looking at stuff, and then his wife Jennifer, who was you know everybody knew her too. Yeah, uh, the statuesque blonde lady. Yeah, she go, she's she like bought whatever she was going. She's at the door of the of the warehouse, and she turns and he goes, Joe, and he's like, oh, gotta go. <laughs> like, <laughs> even she still rolls. I mean, he was just he yeah. was clearly just browsing around, but he's like, oh, yeah. gotta move. <laughs> but to answer your your question, Majora Tom. Uh, count out the Pittsburgh Steelers at your own peril. Hmm. Everyone's hating on the Steelers right now because they lost Antonio Brown. Just watch. Yeah, but also we'll like, see what happens. If you think Shane's a fair weather sports oh, yeah. fan, you don't know anything about Shane. Yeah, I, they, they could go zero and sixteen this year, and it wouldn't change a thing. I'd still, I probably wouldn't say watch out, discount the Steelers no, at your own yeah, peril. Yeah, yeah, there wouldn't there wouldn't be a lot of spontaneous screams yeah. of big nasty D. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. The terrible towel might be carefully washed and folded. Somewhere. No, I, no, I would still wave the terrible <laughs> towel. Win or lose, you wave the terrible towel. All you right. Know, did you go to the? I can't remember if you went to the one wedding of the uh, Dana and Brian, and they because they're from. No, I didn't. If you're uh, asking me if I went to a terrible towel wedding, yes, I have not. It was a ter- it was the, they're, they're, the, the things they gave out were the terrible wedding towel. It was, oh. it was literally like you waved the terrible towel when they came down the aisle. That's the aisle. awesome. They were. I. I, I I guess you weren't there, but I thought of you. No, that was a missed opportunity for our <laughs> wedding, unfortunately. All right, let's move on. I'm you sure should, you should do. We like probably a, lost half our audience talking about. You should sports. do like a re. You should do like a re-wedding, like a renewal of your vows, and do the terrible towel. Absolutely. Time. Oh, we will. If we ever do that, I promise you that will <laughs> definitely be the theme of the renewal. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about the last game for Game Face 175. We lose people. They're just arguing over who the greatest is. Oh, the greatest yeah. what is? Football people. Oh, the Steelers. Four Super Bowls in six years. Never been done. Never be done again. Anyway, Steelers of the 70s, anyway. Uh, we're going to talk about the last game of the week, and that is Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, game, this is the game that we mentioned at the top of the show that I said mm-hmm. has a chance at game of the year. Probably not really, but it's one of the highest scoring games so far of the yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely good to have on your fantasy team. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I think it's, I don't think our, I think our league's over now. Looks like it. I would need gears to get like a perfect ten, I think, and that's de- and after playing the beta, that's definitely not happening. So, so yeah, let's talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses. You're probably reading the lower third there, and you're like, "What does that mean?" And in my opinion, this game is a perfect cross section of Harry Potter and Persona Five. Now, those are that's the exact comparison I've been making. Oh, okay. Playing it's, Harry, it's Harry Potter meets Persona meets Fire Emblem. Yeah. Um, it's not, which is a good thing for the most it part. It is, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's um, 
It's different. It's a it's a definitely a shift for the for the series. I think it's a good shift. Uh, I like I like what they've done with most of it. It's going to broaden its audience big time. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, the production values are sky high. I am a little disappointed. Oh, that really? You think the production values are sky high for a Fire Emblem game? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like I that's mean, a low bar, though. But like it's it's on a Switch. Everything, it's an, I think a it's an bar. ugly game, though. Other I, than the anime stuff, the anime is awesome. But I think it looks okay. Like, yeah, it looks I'll, better than it did when they first showed it. I'll yeah, say that. I like I like the the outfits, the designs of the the clothes and everything. I mean, the, the characters don't really fit the in the environments very well. Um, the animation's very stiff. Uh, my your main your main. The, oh my god, the drawing and the LOD. Oh, the, the drawing. <laughs> it's and the, so the, bad. Like it, the frame rate gets real framey. Like just when you turn a corner in the monastery you're you're living in. Yeah. Because um, a big like the between battles like you can have like a big kind of wander around the monastery like which is basically Hogwarts, and um, yeah like, maybe we down, should like, set up the like, store. Like down to the dining hall and the meat. I mean it's it's. It's Hogwarts. Like, it's yeah. very much Hogwarts. Let's, let's actually set up the plot for the game before mm. we... Because that, that's probably a good way to set a frame of reference for yeah. it. Well, you're uh, you're the you're the son or daughter, depending on who you pick, of a mercenary captain guy who's got a big reputation, and you save these three students that are running from bandits, and it turns out that they're from this academy that uh, your father used to be a captain at, and they bring you back to the monastery that's the, the place the academy is kind of the, the campus and they bring he agrees to be a captain again and help them out and you become you for some reason as like a 20 year old I can't tell how old you're supposed you're to like be you're like 18, 20 I think you're this, roughly the same age as the students but for some reason they make you a professor <laughs> Are the students supposed to be eighteen to twenty? They're like fifteen to seventeen to eighteen. Yeah, yeah if you, they have. It's hard age, to tell. Their ages are all in, all in their their bios. Oh, I didn't notice that. It. And they're all like fifteen to fifteen to eighteen. Oh, okay. So they're like high up upper high school, like late high yep. school. Um, you don't have a birthday. Like your character basically has a question mark by birthday, but you're clearly like early twenties at the most. Like because because your father's like forty, you know. So, yeah. So you're not that old. Uh, but for some reason, you're you're made a professor because you have lived the mercenary lifestyle, and your father's like the greatest warrior ever. So they just clearly, you must be badass. That the apple didn't fall far from the clearly, tree. Clearly, you must be able to work up a syllabus. Apparently, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. So the the monastery is at the center of this continent, uh, and there's three major powers on the continent. There is the holy kingdom of something something there is the royal empire of something else and the uh all oh, that stuff's hard to follow and I the um i can't remember what the other one is the, the orange guys is <laughs> like the orange so it's it's the orange guys is like fake england the empire is like fake germany and the blue guys are like fake france yeah that's basically what it is yeah and very early on they basically say um, pick one. You have to pick one of the like, three houses. Yeah, pick one of the three houses to be the professor for, and uh, you basically pick. You can pick based on characters you like, or you know what their specialties their general are, specialties, or their or what color you prefer. But it you, doesn't really pigeonhole you into no, one thing. No, you, you can you can change what people study and how they level up, however you want. And if you play your your stats right, you can recruit every other character on the, from the other houses to your house over. Eventually, the course, it takes it takes a long, a time, long time, but it's a good yeah. thing to do because it means you won't have to fight them on from arrival house later which house did you choose and we're seeing actually the three houses golden right deer now. that's what it was i chose blue lions i picked the black eagles the, okay the red one uh because um i don't because the golden deer is mostly archers and i hate yeah. archers in fire emblem games uh because they're so squishy 
and uh, I always screw up the the spacing on them. So I'm like, I don't want them. And I thought the the kid who runs the Blue Lions is a tool. So <laughs> I kind of defaulted to the Black Eagles. Now, the Black Eagles are mostly magic-based, yeah. which has been a challenge for me because I also don't like magic. I, I Mostly I like to hit things with an axe. Yeah, fire you don't like ranged characters. Right, not a huge generally. ranged character person. But I've I've kind of figured it out and worked around it. And actually the magic in this in this Fire Emblem, like the changes to it, are much preferred. Powerful. Very powerful uh, as you level up their classes and, maxim- ma- and master their classes. Um, they learn more and more spell uses, and their spells, unlike the weapons, don't break, and you have to buy a new book or whatever the hell that was supposed to be in the old yeah. games. Like, so, like the ma- the magic use and it refills between battles. So the magic use is actually a much more powerful tool than it has been in past games. I, I mean, I guess, and you don't have to monitor, like you said, you don't have to monitor durability. Yeah, that's a big part of this game. I mean. F- First of all, you live in menus a lot in this yeah. game. Like you, you, I say it. You're spending like two thirds of the game in menus and and little like school related stuff versus like one third in battles. Like yeah, if it, if one third even. Yeah, it's it's it, I'm I'm more at a kind of a one third point at this right now, but because like, like when you it's like Persona, like you have you're given a task each month. Like, the, the end of the month is going to be the big mission, right? Yep. And the then story you have a calendar. Mission. And then you go through this big calendar for the month, and each week you have to you teach the kids during the weekdays, and you have to tell them, like, you know, you, you pick – everybody's got motivation, you know, based on, like, your interactions with them. They'll be more motivated. And motivation means how much – how many times they can up their skill level – and you have certain number of moves you can use to up everybody's skill levels, and then you do the week long thing, and different events can come up, and you talk to different characters, and like you create synergies you, between synergies characters that play out like, on the battlefield, also. So if formations yeah. on the battlefield. If you have people who are synergized together in a formation mm-hmm. after each turn, they get bonuses. Yeah, and everybody's got usually has like their own. The main characters have kind of their special abilities that can affect characters near them. Like I have one character who. Uh, uh, anyone standing next to him on the four cardinal directions recovers like four hit points every turn, or like uh, you know that, and that gets more powerful the closer friends they become to that character. Uh, which you, do. I mean, th- th- it's just endless interlocking systems and tons of different abilities to level up. And every time you do, you have some kind of social interaction with the, between these characters, and like it unlocks the support conversations, which just go on and on and on. like you. There is a ton of effort and thought into put into how these characters interact, who they are. I mean, they're all pretty much um, stereotypes for the most part. Like There's everybody, so many though. Everybody's kind of got their own thing. Like my so like the black my Black Eagles team. Like the main girl, the the girl you see in kind of the 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 footage there. She's um, she's sort of a she's a princess. She's the daughter of the emperor. So she's kind of got that high haughty sort of like. Oh, ho, 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 kind of thing. You know, that sort of anime, like, high-class girl thing. And then there's the guy who's, like, her bodyguard who's, like, sort of creepy about it. And then there's the, the red-haired kid who's, like, the, the thinks he's the ladies' man but doesn't get anywhere. And there's the purple-haired girl who's afraid, of, has social anxiety and won't come out of her room. And every time someone says hello to her, she runs away. Like, it's just stock anime characters basically but it all works somehow because there's so many of them and there's so many interactions and like they all have their own specialties and you kind of get you get it like any fire emblem game you get attached to the ones that like saved your ass in the last battle and that kind of thing and the, the we lo- should have brought up that like most fire emblem games when you start you choose to either play classic mode or yeah. and what or you can play classic or you can play casual, casual. Yeah. so classic when a character dies they're, they're gone 
If you play casual, they disappear, but you get them back after the battle mm-hmm. ends. Although, Which one did you choose? Oh, I'm normal casual. I don't give a shit about any of that. I played casual, too. And so when I first start, probably the first 10 hours of the game, I was so happy I picked casual because people were dying left and right. And just randomly, like sometimes mm-hmm. you'll be in a battle and dudes just come out of a doorway and there's like... Yeah, there are some ambushes. Yeah, suddenly you're ambushed by like five guys, and you just lose two characters, and there's yeah. nothing you can do. And but it really depends who it like like, and it's characters you wouldn't expect. Like the one, oh yeah, you know, like, like, pe- huge parts of the plot. The guy who's died the most on my team is like a badass axe wielding warrior guy. I'm like he, but they just focus on him. Like yeah, and it is actually not it, like there's a battle prediction sort of thing where if you, when you move the characters around. It will show you which characters the enemies will attack the next turn. So you can, it, it which solves the problem of kind of like, oh, you moved a guy here, but all of a sudden, all everybody just beeline to this one character, even though you thought your formation should encourage them to attack this other character. So like you can see, at least on normal anyway, you can see what they're going to attack. So if you move, if you're going to move your guy over here, and all of a sudden all the red lines like zoom in on his space, you're like, okay, maybe we won't we won't put you right there because you're not going to survive that. Yeah. Um, they give you the tools to deal with it, but when they do the ambush, because when you're ambushed, like out of fog or whatever, if you're running towards them, like your character stops and your turn ends. Like you yeah. can't attack them. You basically have to stand there and take it. Next yeah. Turn. You take a round. Yeah. Um, so when I the first ten hours, I was very glad that I had chosen casual. Because I saw all these characters dying, and I was like, oh, my God, if I had lost that person, I'd be devastated. Mm -hmm. As I kept playing, though, what I found was they're constantly feeding you new characters. And when you get those characters, they're at the level that you're at. Mm -hmm. So I ended up like what I've most of my party now that I actually take into battle are characters that I picked up later in the game. Because they're more powerful. Not only are they higher leveled, if not the same level, they're higher they also, if you go in and look, they have a bunch of different attacks and abilities that your characters that you've been building don't have. So what I found is I freaked out about it, and I was like, thank God I took casual. But then over time I've realized it doesn't matter that much because mm-hmm. you end up just organically cycling out a lot of kind of the people on the bottom end of your party for people that you're just getting organically through the game. Now, my At the lead, same time, like my lead character has died. The, the leader of my house has died. So if I had lost those guys who I have spent a lot of time building up with abilities and powers, I would have been really bummed. Yeah, the leader of my house is the most powerful character on my team, like yeah. myself included. Like, oh, really? Yeah, like I'm the most powerful. He is next step she below. She keeps getting attacked by people. Like, she'll, like, they'll just come at her. And, like, so, like, she's more powerful because she's, like, four levels above my main character because she gets swarmed, but she's she's got an axe. She's a very powerful axe wielder. And she one shots most most like normal enemies. So she'll, like three guys will come at her. She'll dodge all the attacks, kill them all, and it's just like okay. So she got what four am I kills to right do? now. Yeah, because that's that's the key to the whole game is who delivers the finishing blow. Mm-hmm. That's how you intelligently level your character. That's how you intel- intelligently play the game. You send your big heavies in. They soften them up. I'll let my heavies take one strike at every enemy, and then I'll just like move them out of the way. Then I let like my archers and my magic people come in and just deliver that last mm-hmm. shot. And you can level up your characters very, very quickly. Oh, yeah. And, like... Uh, formations matter. Like, if you have certain formations, the enemy can't break through. Mm-hmm. And so you can... You were saying earlier, you can kind of uh, siphon enemies to your tank. Yeah. So if you have a tank that can take a lot of damage, like, you can set up your formation so the enemies will actually kind of slide along the formation down to your tank. You can take a ton of damage, then bring the back mm-hmm. of the party in and attack from behind and finish them off. Yeah, and terrain matters a lot in this. Like, more than previous 
games that I recall. Oh, it's huge. Like, like it makes you, a big you really difference. have a good if you're in forest and they're not, for example, like you really have a pretty good chance of dodging the attack. Which like sometimes you're at your fire emblem. They has, just do it on purpose. Fire emblem has traditionally been a very much a game of attrition, and I feel like you can circumvent that to some degree in this game, which I like. I like that they they let you use the environment intelligently, and it, and it lets you save some some hit points here and there. Um, and then of course uh, you can grind pretty pretty easily because uh, one of the options you get so you get four days. Basically Sunday is your day off each week. And you can choose what to do. You can choose to explore, which means you wander around the, the 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 monastery and do quests and talk to people. That's really only worth doing like once a once a month because the quests don't reset until the next month. Yeah. Uh, and you can have a seminar where you bring in one of the teachers and talk to them, and that, that kind of levels up specific skills. And then you can go do a battle. And some of the battles, you pick which battle you want to do. Some of the battles don't take activity points. So you can do them over and over and over again, basically until your freaking weapons break. Yeah. And that is a good way to grind some of your character. If you want to send in some of your characters that you want to, especially if you want to level, master a class before you move on to a new class, because it's always better to maximize, max out a class because you learn more like inherent skills that you can carry over to any other future class. Uh, like I didn't know that at first, and suddenly I like some of my other characters were maxing out their noble class early on, and they're all getting hit points plus five. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. switching back to the max out the noble class <laughs> from my main character. You get that hit point bonus because it matters. Yeah, actually, you're starting to get into some of the minutia of the game, and we want to actually show that to you guys live. Um, so if you could bring up the play view so we can play this for folks. Um, so we were talking about... Uh, also, your your character needs to ease up on the starch in their coat sleeves. Yeah. Because, wow, <laughs> like, yeah, that is some this. stiff coat action right there. Yeah, so we're basically in the hub world right now, which is like the world of Hogwarts, for lack of a mm. better way to describe it. When you're in this area, you can hit R1, and you can warp to anywhere that you've been mm. already. And honestly, like, like, when I play, and I'll go back here, I play like that. Yeah, I tend to do that. I don't even care that it's obscuring part of the screen because I look at the map when I run. So Mm -hmm. Matt was saying, like, it's a monthly thing. And when the month turns over, this map will then become littered with people people who want to talk and and missions and things like that. And so what I do is... You got to harvest your greenhouse and go fishing. Yeah, so there's that's one thing I would say is I wish there were more activities in the hub world Mm -hmm. because, like, once you get to the... You level up your house, and as you do that, you get more ability points, which means you can do more things in one day in the overworld. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you get to the point where you have so many. You can see at the top there, I have three ability points. That means there's three activities that I can do in this day before you have to turn the day over, basically. Mm-hmm. And once you get to a certain point, you'll have like five avi- ability points. I think points. you actually had more because it looks like you spent some of them. Yeah, I've spent so some probably, already. You probably had like five. Right. Activities. So I'm to the point already where there's not enough stuff to do. Well, what you do when you do to that? To satisfy. When you do that, when you hit that, what you, no, 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 you don't do Why? Well, you just go and have meals with people over and over again. I do that that's too. The, that's yeah. the best way to. Um, but here I'll show you one of them. So there's fishing, there's a greenhouse, there's a choir, there's, there's a, a, a battle arena. Yeah, battle arena is pretty good. Train Battle training. Uh, and then what's there's like there's, there's, there's like, there's like weapons there's like fighting tournaments that you like enter one yeah, person. That's what I was talking about with the through. training. Yeah. Um I mean there's stuff to do, it's just sort of passive for the most part. Yeah. So there this is like the greenhouse, you earn seeds and then you plant them, and then you come back here and you can like water them, and then you come back later and harvest them. Mm-hmm. Most of the other stuff is like you just do the thing there, you get the boosts, and then you yeah. move on. 
You can also find like this like blue light glowing places, and like you find items that way. Yep. Like there's a reason to explore every month. It's just that once you've done it, it's over. And this is where you fish. You probably already saw that in the B-roll that Jared was yeah. rolling. And I would say the fishing is really the only active mini game. Yeah. In it, the like, rest is just like choose the people you want yeah, to do. Pick this. a menu thing, and then like you see a random. I mean, it's like Princess Maker basically. It's like it's like. But let let me sh- let us show you now the depth of this game as far as your characters are concerned. So here's the roster. It's yeah. So here, so there, roster. it shows all their ages there. Oh yeah, you're right. There they are. Yep, seventeen, twenty-eight, twenty-five. Yeah, those are teachers. Yeah, because as with all anime, life ends at thirty. <laughs> That's when it's all over. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll show you the inventory. You're really too quick. old to leave the house after that. So inventory is more than just like shields and swords and things like that it also includes your abilities now items are important though obviously um i wish the system for moving items around was a little better yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little clunky it's clunky to use at times like you got you can go over but if you hit b it like takes you back to the menu instead of taking you from that left menu to the right that's just a nitpick but after you've been playing this game for a while stuff like that starts to get annoying and it starts mm-hmm. to add up so this is just basically your inventory. You can have a sword. You can have a shield. Certain characters can equip things like rings and scarves and stuff like that. It all depends on what their class is. Um, abilities. Um, these are things that you unlock as you play. Matt was talking about earlier about getting the hit points plus five. This is what he's talking about. This yeah. is where you get them. See, you're right there is a hit point plus so five. Your, your class abilities are because you'll get the the ability to take like an exam to move up to a new class like often well before your class is maximized. Yep. And you always want to master the class before you move on. I mean, you can switch back and forth whenever you want. So yep. like if you desperately want to become like the next class or whatever because you want to be a wyvern rider or whatever, fine. But you should go back and maximize that class because you will always get abilities that will help you forever, basically. Yep. And you can see here, some characters, even though I've been playing with them from the beginning, only have a few. So different classes unlock this stuff at, at different rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're, not, you're gonna get more stuff like that from like usually from melee classes than you would from like magic stuff. Yep. Whereas the magic bonuses you get as you level up the classes are spells and spell uses, so which are yep. you know more important to that kind of class. Uh, combat arts. These are also you earn these as you play. Yeah. These are basically special moves, but the, the 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 trick is that as everyone knows who's played Fire Emblem, your weapons have durability. When they run out, the weapon breaks. It takes one durability every time you attack, but when you use combat arts, you can see there yeah. you're losing three durability or four durability, five or There's some six. There is one with five. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's like all of his are five. It takes real, uh, and also they're not uh, dur- uh, combat arts often have a lower hit percent a chance. Right. So yeah, there's a chance sometimes. you'll you'll waste five uh, durability. I mean, you have plenty of money usually to buy new weapons if you need them, and you find a lot of weapons, but it's just a you know it's it's. You have to prepare. You got like, to be ready. You got to be careful what you're doing. Before you go out on a sortie, you have to look at every character and make sure that they have their primary yeah. weapon and it has at least like 20 or 30 yeah. points left on it. Now, if, I mean, you can if you do make a mistake in the field like that, you can remedy. If you go pull up next to your main character, you can pick convoy and access yeah. all your all the all items the that you have. Yeah. So that I've have had that save my ass a couple of times, but uh, yeah, you should definitely plan better than battalions this is like a subsystem you assign leaders of battalions and then they mm-hmm. can they basically command a set of soldiers um See, this is what I, I when i originally saw the trailer i thought it looked like dragon force yeah so it's not really as robust as i was hoping that element would be but it is a useful tool oh yeah hell yeah because if you hit them with a con with one of these uh 
they're called uh, what's it called gambits gambits yeah you hit them with a gambit it sends your whole squad after him. The whole squad, and it does good damage, and it freezes them yeah. for the next turn. Yeah. They can't move. They, they can attack, move. but they can't move. Yep. So if you need to, if you need you to, you can like, move like a, a range character into range. Yeah. And if you need a break from one particular guy, and you can hit them with a gambit, like it gives you a turn to sort of catch your breath. Yep, um, and it just keeps going deeper. Uh, this this mm-hmm. game, it, the it's insane. You, that's why we were saying you spend and so go to, much go to time. support. See, I mean, I don't think you have anything. So this is the menu where if you have conversations to have but to up people's relationship with each other, you pick each one and you'll watch the like a little like there's little, little scene scenes play out. that play out between the two. Fully of them. voiced, fully yeah. everything. I mean it's it's they they went all out on this. And then their bonds deepen so that again when they're on the battlefield and they're beside each other, they get bonus yeah. buffs and, and enhanced like bonuses and yeah. I mean it's get extra gold get health after your turn stuff and you like learn that. a little bit more about the characters and how they feel about each other and sort of like you know it's if you're if you're into your team it's really good yep and that's the rabbit hole for this game yeah. it goes really really freaking deep um i've had success with all kinds of parties um mm-hmm. is i've had like a team of almost all range characters and if you manage them right you can still win battles with them I've went in with just a bunch of melee guys just with axes and swords and just wipe people out in a couple turns. Um, it's very flexible. You can yeah. play the game however you want. Uh, there's a lot of replay value in this game because you can just pick a different house and it changes the game pretty drastically. Matt said eventually you can get people from other houses, which is true, but it takes a while. Mm-hmm. To get someone to leave their current house and come to yours, I got. I think I've had two people do it so far. I have two right now. Yeah. And, I'm, uh, and they're like the most powerful characters on my squad. Yeah. Well, you're on, what are you, like month, f- like I month don't even seven, know. I think? I don't know. I saw I saw your chapter heading. I think it's, yeah, chapter seven. So I'm on chapter five. Yep. And uh, I have two guy, two people. Uh, so you got them way earlier than me because I just got them. Yeah. I think it's just a stat. Di- it's just stat differences. Or it could be the house maybe. No, it's stat no? differences. It's Because it, each each character from the other houses will join you if you have certain stats. And the two people that join me are, they were interested in swords and leadership, which are the, my character's two main things. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that works. Just wanted but to yeah, show and they you are very, very powerful. Like, like the one guy is a spear guy. I don't know why he was so interested in swords, but he's a spear guy, and he is—he's two levels below my spear people, and he is way better than either of them. Like, and he can take more hits. And it says, "I don't know—I don't know if that's an intentional buff or if just—if I just happen to get one of the better characters from the other house." No, but both characters really I got good. from the other house immediately became mainstays on my party. Mm. And like the the range character I was using before, and the pole guy I was using, they're gone. Mm. That's what I was saying. Like at first, I was lamenting, like. If I had chose, chosen classic mode, I would have lost these two. I'd be freaking out. But now as time has gone on, I'm realizing the game does a good job of supplementing your party with new people that are more powerful than the people you had before. Mm-hmm. So so don't – I mean, I would still recommend playing on casual. Yeah, I mean, I don't – and also like – But I wouldn't dread playing it on classic. No, also like you have a time rewind ability uh, that lets you undo if you if you are playing classic and you get somebody killed – because uh, one of the the undercurrent stories is you have this like weird green haired girl in your head, like talking to you periodically, and she yeah, seems yeah, to, she a seems, ghost or whatever. Yeah, she seems to be some kind of ghost or goddess or something. But she can rewind time. Yeah, uh, for so you, you can like, go back for a limited, three times. I think it's three times in a battle skirmish. Yeah. yeah. So if you do get someone killed in classic mode, you can rewind, and and sometimes that's not even like I made the wrong move. Sometimes it's just like it just happens. Yeah. 
it's you know they just all attack one person or whatever you can can see that coming though so like you can can you yeah like i said if every time you move a character you'll see the red lines from the enemies and they'll point at whoever they're going to attack in the next turn i just thought that that was telling you that you're in range of that enemy not that they were definitely attacking telling it's telling you that that's the character they will attack oh i didn't know that um and but sometimes like i i had my one of my characters die uh it didn't matter because it was casual but like it they died because like they were, you know, they had not great hit points, but they were going to kill the enemy in the in one hit. So I'm like, okay, well, they won't get hit back because they're going to kill them, and they missed. <laughs> it was ninety something percent chance to hit, and they missed. So I, you know, you rewind that, and it's like, and then you just do it again. The dice roll in your favor this time, and you're done. Like, you know, it, it, it's useful for that, you know, because and because if that had happened in classic, that was a disaster. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Um, I, I do want to say before we move on. Everyone gives me crap for how I play Switch, but I got to tell you, the other day, my, my wife's sister was in town this weekend, and I was trying to get some time in playing this game, and uh, I was on one end of the couch. My wife was on her Mac, just like surfing the internet and laughing at like memes or whatever, and then her sister was on the other end of the couch. And so I'm sitting in the corner of the couch, and this is how I'm sitting. <laughs> and I'm playing a game. Mm. I'm just sitting there, and my wife looks at me, and she goes... What the hell is going on here? She's like, <laughs> you're sitting there, but it looks like there's a video game on TV. Are you watching Twitch? Mm. And I was like, no, I'm playing this game right now. They had no idea because I'm just sitting on the couch like I would normally be sitting on the couch. By far, mm. vastly superior way to play Switch. Two Joy-Cons, disconnected, one on each hand. Just chill however you want and play. Pro controller. <laughs> Except no substitutes. <laughs> anyway. Um, that Pro controller, by the way, just ran out of batteries while I was playing this game after three weeks. It's like it's there's what a little. What the hell? It's like there's a little nuclear reactor yeah. inside it or something. It's it's like it's like Iron Man made it. It's like I almost said nuclear, nuclear like uh, George W. Bush. Nuclear, nuclear. <laughs> uh, the one thing that surprised me about the story is: Have you picked up on kind of like the anti-religious undertones? It, well, they're definitely sort of. Not so subtly pointing out that, like, the because ch- you're working for the church, right? You're working for the archbishop, who conveniently looks very much like the girl in your head. Yeah, I've noticed it does. Yeah, um, she uh, she's sort of like, and every once in a while she'll say something like, "They must learn not to point their blades at the church." Yeah, and it's like, oh, I see where we're going because I think at some at some point all three of these houses have to start fighting each other, right? Because it's Fire Emblem. Yep, and so I figure at some point. You're gonna choose. They that. all realize that, like, oh, so I can't because you know, the blue kid is clearly gonna side with the church because they're the holy kingdom of blah, 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 blah. and like I figure. I don't know though. Like as you get into the story with him, like he starts doubting the church. He does, but there's duty, and that, but the, the question is like, what happens there? Because the church is basically being slowly painted as evil. Probably not <laughs> the nice people in yep. the, in the equation. The bad guys. And yeah. like there's a whole thing where like your you know your father left for some reason and you're and it's implied that there's a good reason but you don't find you out don't know what later, it is later. Yeah. And it's like, well, I I bet it's cuz the church executed some people for being heretics or something, you know. Yeah. Um JRPGs love that trope. They sure do. Yeah, they really yeah. do love it. So yeah, you can see that warming up like even early on. It's not uh, it's not just going to be an idyllic like romp through Hogwarts <laughs> for the entirety of the game. It doesn't appear that there's romance in the game. Uh, there like, is for your main character, and that's it. But, um, are, like, are you hooking up with? You can get married. Oh, you can. Yeah, if you get an S rank relationship with a with particular characters. Gotcha. Not all of them, but yeah. some of them. It's not uh, as overt are, there, as there it are, is are no there are no marriages and stuff with like with your 
other characters. Like it's, it's not like uh, Awakenings and stuff where you had to get your characters married off so they'd have a kid and that kid would come back in time and and <laughs> be like the best dragon warrior thing. You know, that's not it's not a thing in this one. There's no there's no hooking up between your soldiers. It's just your main character, and even that's pretty low key. Have you tried playing this? Well, I, I don't know why I've been asking you this, but I was going to ask you: Have you played it in handheld mode? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did because my Joy-Cons... talking to? I did because my Joy-Cons died. Mm. So I've been... It's been hard for me to get TV time with, like, the sister-in-law in town. And yeah. so so I've been having my Joy-Cons. I'll play when I can and leave them sit. And because they don't go to sleep for, like, an hour, they actually right. died. They do, they do die off. Um, I, and so I, I had to plug it in, and I was like, I need to keep playing. I have an hour window to play more of this, so I had to play it handheld. And the text is entirely oh, too tiny. small. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can see that. I mean, I like it because it's on TV; it's normal right. size. It looks good. Yeah. But I've a couple times I've looked at like even, look at the like the text under the date in the upper left on the on the screen right now. Like I don't know how the hell you'd read that on you a can't. handheld screen. You can't even read the menus really on hand, in handheld mode. Like and the granted, only, my eyes aren't what they used to be. But the only text in the game that seems as big as a normal Switch game to me is the dialogue subtitle, like the dialogue. Yeah titles yeah but like the menu stuff and even like objective stuff and stuff it feels way too small all the numbers and the stats in the screen during the battles like it feels like that would be very hard to read on the small screen uh casey Wright, thank you for twitch prime man appreciate it somebody else just did way up here as well uh jed pal it looks like jed pal thank you jsd pal i think it was Mm. thank you um Let's talk about Game of the Year stuff. Is this... Do you think it it, it belongs in that discussion? It might. I mean, there's a long How way... How far to... are you in so far? Well, there's you're chapter like, five. Like two, cha- two months before you, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I think when I looked at my clock, it said 20 hours the last time I looked at I it. Have no, I, I've left it idle a bunch. My clock Yeah, is I don't know completely... if it counts it or not. I don't know. But it, mine right now says 20 hours. I'm guessing there's some buffer in there somewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, I've left mine like idling a bunch, and like I, it still counts that amount. So, oh, it like, does. I, there's, no, there's no way for me to know yeah. like how many hours I played. Um, I've played a lot, though. But I play. I mean, I've been playing. I put a lot of time into it. Playing it a couple hours a day at least since it came out on Friday. Um, so I'd say I'd say I'm probably like fifteen ish, twelve to fifteen ish. Yeah, in there somewhere. Um, I did spend some time grinding the battles just to kind of get get the hang of how everybody worked together. So I think I think my character my main my top character is like level fourteen, uh, and I think my main character is eleven. Okay. Um. So yeah, a long way to go. Yeah, I think um, it's a gigantic game, and like I said, the replay value is there because mm-hmm. there's just so many characters that you'll never even experience with your first playthrough. You yeah. can play for a different house. Is there a new game plus? I don't know. I think I, think I don't know there honestly. There should be. I guess. Does it need it? <laughs> but, uh, it's always nice to carry your your uh, progress over. Yeah, I mean, I pick, mean a, pick a different house, but you know that still ma- keep all even, your gear. And makes everything. it even more attractive to recruit the people from the house that you uh, you played last time. I don't yeah. know if that's in there or not, but yeah. Um, I mean, I, the way it's looking right now, this game, I don't know how long it is. It looks like it's a 50, 60-hour beast. Yeah, I mean, I think so. And I, I know, like the second half of the game is fairly dis- different from the first half. So. Oh, it is. Well, yeah, I mean, basically, you're like 
the, the first half is like kind of everybody's going to school and doing the thing. And the second half is something war. happens. Because uh, okay. you know, it's Fire Emblem. Right? That's how it works. That's yeah. pretty much how Fire Emblem works. It's like everything's sort of idyllic and there's little skirmishes and bandits. It's like, and now all of a sudden the entire nation is plunged into chaos. Like, it's like, It'll be interesting to see how it, how it deals with that, though, because it is yeah. different than prior Fire Emblems. It's, there's so much more emphasis put on building relationships. Mm-hmm. And then that transfers onto the battlefield. So what happens if that all goes away? I don't think it goes away. I think it becomes part of the, More intense. the dramatic intensity. Yeah, And that's also why it's important to recruit people from other houses as much as you can because it means you will not have to face them on the battlefield. Right. <laughs> that's a good point. Especially the teachers, apparently. Yeah. Like, teachers are dangerous. Like, I, I'm really trying to get the school nurse on my side because <laughs> I, I've seen her fight in, like, you know, like, like this, the battles where, like, you're doing practice battle. I'm like, yeah. I do not want to fight her for real. Oh, because so. one thing we didn't mention is you can – Recruit people without permanently recruiting them. I don't know if you've got to where you can do yeah, that. Yeah, you can ask them for help in the next battle, but they don't get any experience. The, yeah, but man, they'll wreck shop while yeah. they're in that battle. They're probably the best person on your team in those battles. Yeah, so. I just don't. See, the thing, I don't really anticipate swapping a lot of characters out because I have gotten attached to several of them as characters. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep Bernadette in there as my archer. And you're smart, so you probably build out your team to have you know one of every class. Yeah, and, you know, I've already got a couple of them on the. I'm like, oh, you're gonna be a knight, and you're gonna be a wyvern rider, and you're gonna be, you know, a mage, and like, I got everybody kind of has their end game roles in plan, and so. Uh, it'll all be fine. I, I have plans for all of them. I like them all, and I'm, I'm going to keep them as long as I can. Uh, unless someone shows up with just the most awesome thing. I, I'm like, all right, maybe I'll swap you out for one of the spear kids that annoys me. But Honestly, like once I saw the abilities of some of the people I was adding to my team, I my emotional attachment to some of those characters from the beginning, I was just like, yeah. well, later. I got lot, over it real fast. They'll get a lot of those abilities from maxing their classes out moving yeah, forward. Yeah, so. it's true. Uh, you dodged the goatee question, game of the year. Do you think it's in that discussion? Maybe. Like, I don't know. There's a long way to go. Yeah. For both a lot of the best of the games are coming. So. And in terms of finishing this game and getting more, you know, more under the belt. I, but do you I, know. Do I, am I you enjo- know when you play a game that is at that level. At least I do. Like, mm. especially after I've played it like 15 or 20 hours, I can pretty much figure out if it's even going to be a part of that discussion. Not this early in a game that has such a changeover in it. Like, okay. I, I got to get to, like, the end game in this thing and see how it goes. Um, I would say it's, I like it's in it? the realm of possibility. It's possible. Do I like it better than a Plague Tale? Not really. I mean, Plague Tale is probably still the best thing I played this year. I like Persona Five more. I don't. I do because the bat to me the battle system in Persona Five is just miles better. Well, I, it's hard. It's active and it keeps you engaged. Like this it's one, very, is, it's, it's hard this. to compare for me, but I prefer this to yet another turn-based JRPG system. Um, I mean, this is. Turn-based RPG system 101. No, it's turn-based strategy. Strategy RPG, RPG system, but still, um, it's the basics. I mean, there's no twists really into the combat. It depends how you you know how you how you play it out, and depends what you're facing. Um, I find the combat in this the, the the turn-based stuff in this is more interesting to me than just Persona's combat was tedious to me by the halfway point, and is one of the reasons I just never finished it because I got to the final dungeon, and at a certain point, I'm just like, I'm tired of this. Uh, I will possibly reach that point with this too, but I've been yeah. playing Fire Emblem for you know twenty years, and I haven't yet for the most part. Um, and I feel like my biggest problem with Fire Emblem in the past has been kind of hitting walls where I just felt like I wasn't leveled enough to tackle this, and I would have had to go back and grind. Like, That's kind of where I usually battles, stop. and like that was yeah. sort of where I kind of fall off for yep. the most part in Fire Emblem. Me games. too. I'm hoping the the sort of the the grind on this is a little more interesting to me because of the Persona elements they've stolen from Persona. So, 
we'll see. I just the main thing is just that I it the performance is weird and um, it doesn't have the the character and the personality of the the hand drawn animation from the old games. Uh, I think it is very obviously using the Fire Emblem Warriors engine. Um, yeah, graphically. I mean, graphically, it's a bad enough. Um, I hate to say it, and I'm not a big like graphics over anything guy, but graphically, this game is almost bad enough to almost be disqualified from Game of the Year. I wouldn't agree with that. But, uh, like, it's on the edge. Like it's. I mean, I mean it. Lo- it looks like a Wii game that they've ca- been working on oh, for you, a long you need, time. You need to go back and play the Wii Fire Emblem then, because yeah. it, it doesn't look like that. I mean, I granted the Wii and GameCube Fire Emblem is looked bad for their time yeah like it's just not a, it's just not a graphics heavy franchise yeah um although i still love the 2d animated oh combat, for sure combat animation well, they, in the old game they realize people because the loading screen is the sprites like going right. across the screen um i think it looks fine like it's not obviously not going to be in the definitely room. not winning best graphics in no, 2019 not at all and like there's moments where like you know if a scene pulls in far enough you're like yep that's some serious aliasing on the side of your little bow tie there dude (laughs) but like i like the way the characters look and kind of even though it is like you know my girlfriend came home last night and saw it for the first time and was like oh my god they really have gone full anime with this series she she preferred it back when they were more because pre-awakening like they were more based around kind of western fantasy yeah they look a lot more Um, rugged than they do now and like they kind of, it kind of had a change over the way uh, Castlevania did. You remember like Dawn, yeah, Dawn yeah. of Sorrow? Yep. Suddenly it was like, oh, everybody's from an anime TV show. Yeah. Now you yeah. can really tell this game's made in Japan. Yeah. Whereas and, before uh, you really couldn't. And that's kind of happened to Fire Emblem over the last like three games. Yeah. Um, but I really don't mind it that much, just in the sense of like, there's so much quality of life improvement here, and there's it's just a different way of approaching the material. Like I dig it. I just don't. I don't know if it's gonna be one of the top things I've played all year at the end when you're dealing with something this repetitive. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's why I like Persona more, because I'm already starting to burn out on the combat a little bit in this. And I agree with you. Persona 5 is one of the most repetitive things I've ever played. Persona made it to about hour, like, 75 before I started feeling the way I'm feeling now. I don't... Maybe so much on on the combat, but, like, the combat of Persona 5 being the same elements over and over again... I mean, like, literally elements, like, you know, beat the element with this, knock the guy over, do the thing. Verse, plus the fact that every time a new character joined, they would just repeat the premise again for the, like, <laughs> yeah. like I got so sick. <clears throat> it was like watching, a t- it's like binging a TV series that kept uh, structuring its episodes as though you hadn't seen the last episode for two months. Yeah. It was just like, can you just assume I know that we're going into mind palaces and defeating, <laughs> like, trauma here because we can get on with it here? Yeah. Like, uh, whereas this is more like the, the, the repetition in this is just sort of mindless menu navigation um but i can kind of stomach the menu navigation more than having to sit through like endless cutscenes of the same plot point over and over again uh but we'll see if we hit a point where like we get to, you know if we get to the point where we're in the kind of the war phase of this game and it's just endless characters pontificating about how much war sucks like every other anime about war it's probably you might happen. lose you might lose me in that <clears throat> um, uh, look I, I like this game a lot um, mm-hmm. I, and by the way, I fully recommend you go buy it. Yeah, um, you, it's I a think, great value. I think it's better. So f- to me, it's better both in terms of kind of what it's doing and in terms of kind of character presentation than uh, the last two have been. And I did like the last two. The other advantage this one has is so far there's no 10-year-old girl who claims to be a 1,000-year-old dragon. <laughs> um, 
Like, I mean, I, th- I think that might kind of happen with the girl in your head, but like, sh- she doesn't seem to be romantic interest, so you're already five steps ahead of the previous right, two right. games. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. Uh. But uh, it's uh. And like the Hogwarts thing is kind of a cheap move, but it works. Yeah, it works. You know? it, yeah. It's it it's compelling. Like like for yeah. some reason it it pulled me in, and like I'm still interested. And also sort of that thing of like, like that, that, you know, as a Suikoden fan. You put me in a home castle and let me like build <laughs> shit, and then like, yeah, I'm happy. Like I'm, yeah. You know, what are you, what are you gonna do? One thing I would say that's uh, out of the ordinary for the typical RPG. There's not a lot of crafting in this. No, there's a no. blacksmith. You can go and you can repair your weapons, and you can you can upgrade them a little bit. But, yeah, like, it's not a focus of the game, and it unlocks no. really late in, yep. the, in the tutorial segments. Yeah. So, uh, but there's a lot. To do. Yeah, it's, it's a great game. It works. It's great. It's. Uh, I'm not disappointed. You know, I've been looking forward to this since probably they revealed it last. You know, E3 last year, and I am not disappointed. Yep. I mean, to answer my own question, do I think it's goaty worthy? Probably not. I mean, it depends what the. Rest I mean, it's of the one of the better holds. games released this year, but I think I've been doing this long enough to know that in the next five months, there's going to be a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's I mean, probably you're going to you're going to run into some games that have a more visceral, you know, rewarding experience and are more polished and the presentations mm-hmm. way better and yeah that is the one thing like i everyone's acting so shocked that koei apparently made this mostly like is what did the majority of the work on this game uh that should be real obvious yeah to anyone like, i mean this is not nintendo level polish nope. in a lot of places that's for sure um that's really that's really the, the biggest downside to it is it's not you know it's not on par with like even you know the Yoshi game in terms of polish. Yeah, it's not it's not quite there. You can forgive it some of it because of the scope, but it's noticeable. Yeah. It's definitely noticeable. One thing I will say that I like a lot more about this game than I do Persona Five is the scheduling and the calendars. Mm. In Persona Five, they just would screw you. Yeah, there's a lot of They're railroading. Like, if you do this, Persona. you here's three days gone, and yeah. now you can't do all this other. Like, this game doesn't do it. Yeah, it's this, very good about telling you, hey, if you do this, the day is going to turn over. Yeah, there this, are this game tells that you that. to plan. This game tells you to plan and actually yeah. lets you plan. Yeah. Whereas Persona does do kind of an arbitrary. It would just screw thing. you yeah. basically. But I would say if you tried Persona Five and you did not like it at all, I would not recommend this game because they are very similar. Mm-hmm. If the, if the reason you didn't like Persona was you don't want to live a school life schedule, I mean that's pretty and, much what this and game what makes is. up the bulk of the time of your yeah. playtime. Yeah, I mean, and and the purpose of doing all that school stuff is to fill very tiny bars very slowly. Yep. And so <laughs> that's not. A thing. It's very rewarding though after you do oh, like yeah. a, after you go to school and you actually train them. And it shows all their bars, and they'll go ding, 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 ding. It's just like yeah. dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. And then, it's, and then, like they all talk, they all get their little upgrades, and they're like, "Oh, that looks pretty good." Yeah. It? And I'm like, "Oh, I can't wait to try it." Yeah, it I know. Nothing. It means nothing. <laughs> I like, know. It's great. Just these tiny, tiny increments, but like they yeah. do get, they do get tangibly better as you move forward. Absolutely. So there you go. Fire Emblem Three Houses, another great Switch game for 2019. Uh, these other platforms are going to have to have a really good last couple couple uh, months of the year. Yeah. To Certainly if you're into turn-based strategy on, on a console, there's no other game. And there's another one, and then you're getting Pokemon Sword and Shield at the end of the year. What a, what a year for Switch, man. What a freaking year. Uh, but anyway, it's time for our trailer of the week. As I said earlier, we just put up Dossier, the games of August 2019. Uh, the biggest game and the game that got the thumbnail was... Control, which is Remedy's new multi-platform game, is coming. They just released a story trailer this week. Let's roll it. I'd like to tell you about a dream I had last night. 
In my dream, the hiss had broken free of this prison, this house. At first, many people thought it was horrifying. But also, many people wanted to welcome the hiss in. <laughs> Funny. that dream. This is an ordinary song about an ordinary girl from an ordinary Matt, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for Control? 2? Two. Like, that I bad, huh? I don't care about that game at all. Really? I mean, I'll probably play it. I will be disappointed if the end credits theme is not the Janet Jackson song. <laughs> um, now I'm all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't – it's it's not really on my radar. I mean, I, I'd probably put it like a five and a half or a six for me. Uh, I've never been a gigantic fan of Remedy's games. I have an appreciation – that that studio generally innovates big time mm -hmm. and this game looks innovative yeah it's got one gun that has like five different forms and obviously with all the free roaming floaty stuff that's going on all the powers it looks interesting but maybe it's just one of those cases where i've got this excited for remedy games in the past and they just ended up not delivering yeah, i just don't it doesn't i'm not a huge fan of their kind of general design uh i thought max Payne 3 was just a huge slog like i didn't i didn't like any of it really yeah i wasn't a big fan of max Payne 3 either um i mean it's i don't know and like that it just looks like i mean that looks like it could be any indie game ever yeah. right now like i'm the production values are obviously very high but like yeah i'm not seeing anything in that trailer that makes me like, oh i really want to play that it's just like yeah that looks like a video game like like I couldn't, I I couldn't tell you what it was if I didn't already know what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not tracking great on the site. Um, they just put up the story trailer. It didn't do a ton of views. Uh, also, I don't quite, know, I can't quite place why I like when I because I wasn't sure I wasn't listening to you when you introduced it, so I didn't like <laughs> realize what it was when it started to play. And like I'm like, what is this? And like it showed the guy go like ah like that. Yeah. I'm like oh, it's remedy. Oh, it's control. It's remedy. I don't know why I can ID remedy characters like like that. I don't know what the difference is about like what they look like versus any other company's characters but for some reason they have some subtle house style somehow that i'm like oh it's the max that you're guys. subliminally yeah, picking I, up i knew on. what it was so uh, you know they can't be that generic They're, you know they do they do have their own thing it just has never really resonated with me uh big thanks to casey wright uh emperor dread um dan boy 90 all subscribe via twitch prime thank you guys so much um, if you're watching this show on YouTube, please subscribe via Twitch Prime. Uh, we go up and down. The last couple of months have been pretty abysmal. Uh, unfortunately, Twitch Prime has turned into a primary resource for us, a revenue stream. And uh, when we don't have it, it hurts. Um, and we're outlaying a bunch of new cash for the studio and all the utilities that are tied into it, blah, blah, blah. So we could really, really use your help. And it's free. If you've done it once, it literally takes like two seconds. Please click the link. We really appreciate it. I don't, I don't understand why it's... We get...
people on YouTube are like begging for money. It's like, no, it's not begging for money. It's free, bro. Hmm. It's I'm begging for your one second. Is that too much to ask? We just gave you three hours of entertainment, and we're asking you for one second. That seems fair. Yeah. I uh, mean, I admit I keep forgetting. Yeah. Well, I don't count on you. You're you're a part of the gang, man. I don't need your 250. It's all good. Uh, let's get to some questions, and I forgot to tell you guys to get questions in during the trailer of the week, but you're very well trained at this point, and there's a ton in here. Uh, w. Matthew, as usual, our first question. Uh, between the RE2 remake, uh, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers, Sekiro, uh, and that's just this year alone, this gen Japan seems to be a returned after being ir- an irrelevant last gen. What do you think happened? New blood, Japanese devs. Stop trying to copy Western devs or something else. Great question. Do you first of all do you agree with him that Jap Japan is back? Um, to some degree, yeah. I mean, they're certainly more relevant than they were. I mean, part of that is just the success of the Switch. Um, the fact that you've got like you know Japanese developed games on the Switch that are you know making waves, um, and this I think the success of Dark Souls, uh, you know, and that kind of the copycats on that have sort of created this thing where it's like, oh, like Japanese game design philosophy does have a thing, a place, and Devil May Cry is back and that kind of thing. I, I think it's just sort of they had a hard time adjust. I think they had a hard time adjusting to the budget increases required to like make stuff on HD level console. Like you know, there was that constant concern about spending too much money to make these games. Yeah. Um, you know, Final Fantasy even fell victim to that, and Final Fantasy is about as big as it gets over there. You know, remember the, the times where there's like, oh, wait, there can't be towns in in 3D RPG HD RPGs because they're too expensive. And meanwhile, Bethesda's like, what? What are you talking <laughs> about, bro? <laughs> we got seven. Yeah. You know, like, and, yeah. Um, and now, of course, you know, Final Fantasy 15, as terrible as it was, proved that that's not true. There's like, yeah. Well, there's not a lot of cities in that that game, but you you know, there's an open world and there's like towns to go to, and there's you know, it's they did it. They yeah. pulled it off. So I think, um, you know, yeah, they are kind of coming more into their own by uh, absorbing the, the lessons of a kind of like the top-level Western stuff, putting their own spin on it. Um, and you're also seeing the kind of the audience become a little more, um, I would say, uh, receptive to kind of the Japanese style of certain things. Plus, uh, the, the American wings of these companies are becoming less reticent to put them out. So I think the, one of the big ex, you know, examples of that is Yakuza. Yeah. Like Yakuza is not a game that you would think would be a big hit in the West, but it has, you know, garnered well a following. Enough. Yeah. Uh, even with uh, you know the the director saying recently, I was like, yeah, we're not going to make our games for Western audiences because at a certain point you have to be who you are, and like that's what you know you make. If we made a Yakuza that was targeted for a Western audience, what would that even be? Right. And he's right. You know, like, yep. like, you know, lean into your your strength and lean into your quirks that make your game what it is, especially in that case. And now we're hit the point where instead of waiting three years for a Yakuza game to be localized, we got judgment like months after it came out. Yeah, so barely. Huge change. Yeah, it came really quick. Um, so yeah, I think I think they've proven viable in the Western markets, and uh, they've kind of figured out where the budgetary thing needs to be, and uh, the quality's there, and uh, you know, it's not like Dark Souls or the equivalents like, you know, tear the, tear the, the charts up or anything, but they sell very respectable three to five million. Can't argue with that. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe W. Matthews overblowing the resurgence a little bit. Somewhat. Um, it's easy to pluck one or two games from the last, like, few years, and you could say almost any country is, like, on, you know... The, the funny thing with... The power with, of Poland. Right, I mean, exactly. I mean, the funny thing about data is you can pretty much spin it any way you want to fit your argument. Mm. Uh, but I would say uh, there's been more Japanese games that felt like 
modern games. Modern games recently. Yeah, they, they still, though, I would also argue that the majority of Japanese games still are the ones that feel like old games. Here and there. I mean, you still got kind of the, you know, there's still an insistence even no matter how detailed your open world is, you're going to make your objects glowing points of light. Right. Which, is a sort of, which sort also of like, happens in Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah. Uh, which is just like just just model the cheese, <laughs> dude. Right. Like, just let me. Pick Not that much cheese. work. Like. <laughs> I'm a little more forgiving of it in something like Fire Emblem because the the system's struggling to run it as it is. Yeah. Put more objects in the world, you're just going to make it worse. Um, but something like Final Fantasy 15 had no excuse for the objects you were looking for in the side quest to not be actual objects in the world. Yeah. Um, but there's stuff like that's getting better, and like uh, they're getting better at kind of getting the input from more Western and localization groups to make the cutscenes and character behavior less embarrassing to a Western or just at least less weird like you know Dante acted more or less like a normal human man (laughs) in in Devil May Cry 5 which has not been true of him in several other games Um, you know better voice acting voice acting is better than it's ever been uh, in Western games, you know, Western games, I think, led a revolution in how you voice video games. Um, you know, something like Mass Effect, it would have been unimaginable, you know, a few years before that. Yeah. And now I think that's carrying over to localizations. They're they're sort of moving away from that thing because there's still the thing where, like, I asked a, someone who works in, in, like, localization stuff and dubbing a, a couple of years ago about stuff, and she was like, about why anime dubs still sound so as bad as they did when I was a kid, basically, you know, and she's basically said the the market for anime expects it to sound like that, so we we have a stable of actors who intentionally do that right. style yeah. to and like whereas in a video game we would play it more straight, you know, we would play it a more Western style, you know, less heightened, I guess. Sure, would be the, you know. I would actually argue that. Japanese games have improved recently because Japanese developers stopped trying to make Western games. Mm -hmm. They've gone back to making the games that they want to make without considering the Western audience, like Nier Automata. Like that game, four years ago, I don't think would have been made Mm -hmm. because they would have tried to find some way to make it a typical Western action RPG. And I I would actually argue that that Nier, the first, you know, the one before that, was kind of that. Yeah, it was. It was them looking at the Western RPG and saying, okay, these are popular. What can we do with our RPG? Now they're just going back. They're Mm -hmm. like, you know what? We know how to make really good turn-based RPGs. Let's make make. some freaking turn-based RPGs. We're good at strategy RPGs. Let's make some really good strategy RPGs. So Mm -hmm. I just think Japan is like kind of rediscovering its identity a little bit. And I also feel like you have a lot of people maybe... Maybe learning that they never needed to change it in the first place. Right. And I think you have a lot of of new audience discovering this for the first time. Mm -hmm. Because when they first came into games, the Japanese games were trying to emulate Western software... Now they're just like, this is us, this is what we do, and people are starting to discover it and be like, I like it. Mm-hmm. So I think the best thing they could have done is just stuck to their guns in the first place. I'm glad they've kind of come full circle and they're back there now. Yeah, uh, but I think very few things have helped that as much as the success of Nier Automata. Yep, absolutely. Automata. Yeah, whatever uh, the hell it is. Because uh, if something that weird can sell that well, you have no excuses yeah, left. Yeah, then you you know, you can just do what you want to do and you can like, be successful. Just get, just get Suda51 on the phone. <laughs> Team them up with Sweary <laughs> yeah, and there you make go. whatever the hell they want to make. Well, if you team up with Sweary, the game will never come out. So, <laughs> uh, JReadVic7, thank you. Um, ChevelleMan1979, thank you. All subscribing via Twitch Prime, y'all rock. Johnny Hurricane, 
Thank you, brother. Subscribing via Twitch Prime. If there's one person who gets off the hook for Twitch Prime, it's Johnny Hurricane. And even he went and subscribed via Twitch Prime. So thank you, man. A uh, ton more questions in here. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, unfortunately. Uh, Justin Horman, a phrase that you might hear often among people who play games is, X would be perfect for Switch. For me, Classic Doom and the recently announced Outer Worlds fit this, but what is a game or type of game that you'd like to be able to take with you when you leave the house that haven't, you haven't been able to yet? Nothing. I don't, I don't play games on the go, really. Uh, and if I have a Switch, that means that instead of playing it on a tiny six-inch screen, I could play it on an HDTV. So I'm going to wait and do that. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't have any interest in the handheld element of that. And I can't wait for if they do release a Switch Pro, insta-buy. Like, yeah. instantly. If I never need to worry be, about it yeah. worry about it ever again, I will. Like, the Outer Worlds thing, that confuses the hell out of me. Because I'm like, why do you want to play that? Why do you want to play the objectively worst version of that game? Because it's not going to run well. It's going to be on a tiny screen. It's going to be like 540p. It's like now. I feel, look. I feel some people. I don't. It's commit. already going to be broken because it's obsidian. Yeah. You know. Like yeah. it's, I, I don't. I mean, I, I are people taking trains that often? Really? Some like, people are. I mean, back when I lived in the Bay Area, I rode buses and trains every day. I just wouldn't be able to concentrate on a hundred-hour RPG. In that scenario, like I, I just wouldn't I mean, want to play this, it that way. Fire Emblem Three Houses is a good commute game because it's turn-based, so you can just finish a turn mm -hmm. and just put it in your bag. And well, also, to its credit, you can save almost anywhere. Yep, like they let. Yeah, you, you can just pop up that yeah. menu I was showing you, and you can save manually, or it'll prompt you to save. Um, I, it's just not the way I care to play games. If I had to be on public transit all the time, maybe that would be different. But at the same time, like the Switch is too big for me to put in a bag to justify being in a bag. Like it's, yeah. it's too, it takes up too much real estate. I guess my point would be is that I do not want to play games on the go. That is yeah. to me is a vastly inferior experience. Mm -hmm. I will do it if I have to, right? But I don't want to. Like when I fly home and I have a five or six hour flight back to the East Coast, I always take my Switch and I never play it. Mm -hmm. I would rather sit there and watch a movie or a TV show or whatever. I don't like having active entertainment mm -hmm. when I'm on a plane. Why? I don't know. It's just the way it is. And I don't commute anymore. Even our new studio is literally like an eight minute drive from my apartment. So I've never had a really bad commute since I lived in LA. So I literally, had, the only time I play handheld was back with the 3DS. Because well, you, you could only play those games handheld. You only play it on three. That's exactly it. As soon as you move to the Switch model, that means I have a superior way of playing it when yeah. I get home. I agree with you a thousand percent. I'm not going to do that. I played this in handheld mode because I had to, because the Joy-Cons right. died and I needed to keep playing. But I don't. I would never choose to play in handheld mode. Right. And I will go one step further and say I would never choose to play anything on the Switch. Yeah. If it's on another platform. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if, if I could get every Switch game on PS4, you know, you know, I would play it on PS4. You know how I'm going to play Outer Worlds? For free on Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yep. and it's going to run better, and it's going to look better, and all the bugs will be right up there in 4K for me to see as Obsidian waits to patch everything out. Um, the Switch the Switch obsession with Perfect for Switch, I don't get it. Like, I, it's it's a platform I own because otherwise I don't get to play Nintendo, Nintendo games. games. That's yeah. it. But like, see, we're, we're beyond the who – we don't care what name or badge is on the hardware. We just want to play the games we want to play in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters to us. 
and we're different. I mean, everyone I think eventually well, will also, get I there. Think the, but I think the pricing structure on the ports is is screwy. Like I yeah. like the fact. I mean, I don't have any interest in playing The Witcher Three on the Switch, but the fact that they're going to probably charge sixty bucks for that is criminal. Oh, you to know me. they're going to. It's charge a four-year-old game. You know they're going to. That's going to be the objectively inferior version from in terms of performance and graphics, and you're going to charge full sixty. I know it's probably going to have the DLC in it, but it's like give the give the Switch people a break. For that should be forty bucks. Yep. Absolutely. Like it's it's so weird, and like it's it's I I like I understand that people just you know, things cost what they cost, and people are used to kind of get paying a little higher than Nintendo tax, as they say it. But I just think it's bullshit. It I is bullshit. I, <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Uh, J Reed Vic Seven. If G Four and X Play hypothetically existed today, would it be a lot easier to fit a weekly show, fill a weekly show, and have interesting shows at the time because of how many more games exist and come out today? I think more games came out back then. I think you're right. Like, I mean, that was the PS2 yeah. era. Honestly, like you're, I mean, back in um, when a in the weeks, PSP, couple, well, a couple and... weeks ago when that guy was running the pirate, <laughs> the pirate tech TV station right. on yeah. Twitch, got shut down. But um, I think it got shut down because he was playing commercials. Probably. I don't think it got shut down for playing tech TV stuff. Probably. But um, who watch, owns the tech TV stuff? To NBC, even... NBC Universal. It does. I mean, so I guess it got transferred to Comcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Somewhere in there they own that, yep. but I don't think they know, like, yeah. <laughs> or care. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that like most of those episodes are either gone or destroyed or in a vault somewhere no one will ever find them again. Yeah, like, I mean, they might still be at Eighth and Townsend. No, they're um, <laughs> they're in some closet they're all, that no one's open. They're all for. in deep storage, like NBC Universal's deep storage, because I had to pull some of them out to 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 do DVD dubs of them uh, when we were leaving to get, because I wanted certain episodes. For real, yeah. For my reel and just to have, because it's the ones we worked the hardest on. Yeah. And they had to pull them out of deep storage. Dang. And, like, that is the masters. They had to pull yeah, them out. Yeah. And, like, that is, if there's something's in deep storage, you ain't seeing it again unless you go find it. Um, so we'll see if, if I mean, we made, what, 1,300-something episodes of that show? Yeah. And I have, like, 150 of them on disc. So that's a lot. A lot gone. more to go. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, would I ever want to watch a bunch of those again? Like, as a viewer, probably not. I mean, the th most interesting thing about watching the old ones on that Twitch channel was so many weird little games I forgot existed, but we put in the show because we had to had fill to. three shows a week. Yeah. And, I mean, every weird little RTS on PC, every freaking Yu-Gi-Oh! game on Game Boy Advance, like... You know and what would make and maybe like, it would really be got an, I got an idea. It's like, oh god, games came out constantly. Yeah, then. like just like shovelware, every, shovelware, shovelware. Every Tuesday, you afford to do that. Like now. twenty games every yeah. Tuesday. But like, you couldn't afford to do that now because your company go out of business. I will say this: I think it's the same because there were more big budget games or B level games being released back then. But now there's way more indie games. I, so we yeah. would end up probably every episode of X Play. Stuff. Would have at least one indie game. Yeah, you could do it. You could do an entire. You know, the whole week could just be filled with the garbage that gets shoveled onto the the Switch store right. every week. Yeah. I mean, also, I, I mean, I think if you expand it to like, you know, field pieces and covering like game culture stuff, there's a lot more meat on that bone now. Like For we sure. would we would yeah. have a lot more opportunities to go out to events and go out to talk to people and go. Esports didn't yeah, exist e back stuff. then. <laughs> like I mean, you would easily be able to fill three yeah. shows a week, probably simpler. But your field budget would be higher. It wouldn't be so much as like so many games are coming out. We could fill we it, especially this summer because very little came out this summer, yeah. and we would still be probably running around desperately trying to do three shows at Evo or something. We'd be doing a lot of themed episodes yeah. like we used to do yeah. for sure. I think it would be roughly the same. Uh, but like, just like you say, instead of like weird P 
PC shovelware and like um, Game Boy Advance games no one in their right mind would pay money for. It would be indie games and like weird mobile stuff. Yep. Yeah, mobile. That's another thing that's just exploded yeah. since then. Um, score fear. Any plans to stream some Mario Maker? Got a couple of fun levels for you that won't make you pull your hair out. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to stream that one with all the fire sticks. No. Yeah. I think the I think the ship has sailed on Mario Maker. I might do one stream where I just play your levels. There's been a couple people that have reached out to me and said, "Hey." Like, if you stream this game, will you please play my level? And if I do stream the game, I absolutely will. So maybe I shouldn't say no. I don't want to shut the door on it. But we're kind of shifting gears. Uh, this Saturday, coming up, we shoot Pactor on Friday. Again, get ready to get your questions in. And then Saturday, I'm going to be in here for today's high score, our call-in show. So everybody put it in your phone right now in your calendar. Saturday at 2 p.m. Pacific, we'll be starting today's high score. It's a call-in show. I need you guys to call in or there is no show. You can just sit and laugh at me flounder trying to fill all the time. Hmm. So put it in your phones. Be back here at 2 p.m. Pacific on Saturday, and I'll have a bunch of topics for us to discuss, and I'm going to discuss them with you live. So that's kind of the focus right now is just getting today's high score up and running, and then we'll start doing game streaming. I'm thinking game streaming might start being on Monday nights or Monday afternoons. We'll see. But uh, my, my idea probably is that by the time all that stuff's ready to go, Mario Maker may not be relevant anymore, but we'll see. Um, I don't want to completely shut the door on it. Um, we'll answer maybe one or two more. Um, J.A. Murita, to Matt and or Shane, did you guys see Alita Battle Angel in theaters? I did not. I just saw it on a flight. Mm. And I will say... I thought it was way better than I thought it was going to be. I saw a press screening of it. So I did see it in a theater, but I didn't pay for it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to be terrible, but it actually was pretty good. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it's not. The eyes didn't bother me either. I got over it real quick. The eyes are fine. Yeah. I I mean, I I think it's probably Robert Rodriguez's best thing in a long time, which is damning with faint praise, but like. Uh, my main issue with it is it's a giant act one. Like, they really thought they were making two more of these things, yeah. I think. And the whole movie is, like, a setup for the real story, basically. And I hate it. Well, I mean, anyone who listens to this show knows I hate I hate games and movies that are just two hours, uh, uh, one setup. big act one. Like, yeah. tell a story. Um, so I did. I mean, I liked uh, a lot of what they did. I, you know, I read the manga when I was younger, when that was you know, in the 90s when that was out. Um, I thought it was a pretty good adaptation. It just doesn't get to the interesting part. In t- like by the end, I'm like, okay, I'm interested in what happened at the ev- the last shot is the most interesting thing in the movie to me. Uh, <laughs> but now it's, you're never going to get any more of that unless I guess Cameron and Rodriguez decide to just throw more money down the hole. I mean, or unless like, or you'd have to have like a Pacific Rim situation where like China basically funds it. Like I don't think yeah. it was that big a hit there. Yeah, I was entertained by it. It was fine. I was, was on a yeah. flight, and it made the two hours or however long it was go by, like yeah. the blink I, of an I eye. I didn't dislike it. Like, um, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. I, I didn't I, see it in a theater, though. I saw it in a TV in the back of a seat. No, it was, full, it was a full <laughs> press screening, IMAX 3D, the whole thing. Like, it was fine. It was I – mean, I did, I'm not probably not going to buy it on Blu-ray or anything, but uh, I'm glad I saw it on the big screen. Like, it looked it – look, you know – Stuff like that looks better the way they're intended to be seen, and I think it was that movie is definitely intended to be seen on a big screen in 3D, and it was it was fine. 
Um, okay, I think that's it for a Q&A. Man, there's a lot more in there. I wish we could answer them all, but we're already up against our three-hour limit. Uh, somebody asked about the Sifted Fantasy Football League. It is coming back this year. Uh, I should be sending out invites for that very soon. If any of you know the champion, would you have him reach out to me? I've been trying to get in touch with him since the season ended. We've been trying to send him a trophy, been trying to add him to the plaque. He just, he won and just ghosted. So <laughs> uh, there's something to be said for that, I guess. He's like, like Ryu. Yeah. But uh, the trophy's been waiting. It's in Europe right now with the prior winner, and we've been waiting to try to send it to the new winner, but he won't reply to any emails. Have him get in touch with me if you know him. If one of you guys got him into the league or whatever, uh, have him reach out to me. He's uh, not here for victory and trophies. He's, the fight is all. <laughs> Apparently, that's it. He's, um, he's, he's sure you can in a waterfall somewhere. Yeah. That's where he is now. So when I reactivate the league, everyone will get an email. If you don't want to play this year, make sure you let me know so I can find people to, to take your place. Likewise, if you're somebody who hasn't played before and you want to play in the league, just send me a DM on Sifted, at Shane, and we'll try to get you in. Last year we had 12. I don't think we want to go much above that, but every year at least one or two people leave and it gets some spots open. So just at me on the site, at Shane, and we'll try to get you into the league. And like I said, when it send, we send out the league email to everybody, make sure you reply if you're not going to be in the league so I know that we need to replace you. Um, again, Pactor Factor shooting on Friday. Look for a request for questions for that very soon. Um, today's high score on Saturday. We've had a great run. Since we got this studio, we've just been plowing out the content. I hope some, I hope our patrons have been going to our Patreon page the last few days because this month was a little dry with content, but I hope they can see uh, what we're going to be doing and they don't bail on us here at the end of the month. That's my big fear is that the transition took too long. So hopefully people have been in tune with our Patreon page to see what we're going to be doing, and this is what we're going to be doing for the next 12 months. Feeling the urge to get away from it all? permanently or for months at a time? Immerse yourself in the best Montana has to offer on 320 acres of remote, heavily forested property. Gaze at your own private lake from the deck of the log cabin. Truly off the grid, soak in a custom wood fire heated hot tub surrounded by wilderness and wildlife. Visit www.lostlakemontana.com for more detailed information and images. You can also contact Doug DeShazer today at DeShazerMT at gmail.com or 406-291-1643. That's DeShazerMT at gmail.com or 406-291-1643. Thanks to everybody who joined us on the live stream. This new time seems good. We got good participation, more questions than we could answer at the end. Lots of people subscribing via Twitch Prime. Thank you again. Uh, so I think this time works out pretty well for most people. A lot of people from Europe watching the show live, which usually mm -hmm. doesn't happen because it's usually too late. So Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, we will be here for you guys, and we'll be back next week with an episode. We'll see you then. Game Face is up and out.